Hey, you. Where were you the night of February 3rd? Uh... Say, that's a nice ring you've got there. Mind selling it to me? Oh, okay. I mean, let me just find my gold and... Yoink! Too late. Stole it from you. Better be faster next time. But, but, I, I... Not so fast, citizen. I challenge you to a duel. On guard. Wow, that's the third villager that's run off screaming. You think we're coming on too hard with these path actions? I don't know. We've accomplished our personal goals faster if we just talk to people like normal villagers. That's a good point. Yeah, from here on out, let's just talk to people. No tricks. Now let's... Wait a minute. That guy looks suspicious. Hey, you. Where were you on the night of February 3rd? Uh, Might as well. Wow, that's some nice armor. You mind selling it to me? In the early 2000s, Kelly Ryan and Matt Mason were sent to Backlog Prison for the crime of owning too many games. These RP gamers promptly escaped with help from their staff to the internet underground. Today, still drowning in unplayed games, they survive as podcasters with no fortune. If you have a backlog, if no one else can help, well, you've already found them. It's our A-Team of RPG Backtrack. And welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you such fine podcasts like RPG Cast, your weekly news show, and Q&A Quest, your weekly feedback show. We are your bi-weekly nostalgia show. I am your host, Kelly Ryan, and the Lynn to my honnet, Mr. Matt Mason. That's right. I'm just here doing my own thing. Glad you guys all are here tonight, too. So uh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to we... go over here and do what I need to do for a while. And if you all want to come with me, you can. Eh, are you alluring me like uh, Primrose or guiding yeah, me like Ophelia? I'm, I'm just in my own chapter, too. You know, <laughs> you're all on your own personal journeys. You, you, you do you. Yeah, unfortunately, we are too short of the eight that I kind of dreamed of having for this show, just <laughs> to be the theme, but that's okay. We've got Paul Scarelli. Hey, thanks for having me. And I guess the um, the drawback I got not having eight people here is that well, you could have parties of four where no one's talking at all. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that is true. True to the game. Yep. Uh, we, we've got Ryan Radcliffe. Hey, guys. Um, just a quick uh, side note. If your pockets are a little bit lighter, I definitely... Didn't take anything from you. Uh huh. I, I believe you. Here. And uh, Josh Carpenter. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm here tonight to shoot some pot shots at this game that everybody loves. <laughs> he, he's here for the spicy take. And brand new to RPG backtrack, Mr. Jason McFadden. Howdy, y'all. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm the newbie, so I am going to be good at making rookie mistakes. Ah, it's fine. I, I've been doing this for about five years now, and I'm still messing things up, so we're, we're all good. That'll work for me. Well, like I was saying pre-show, it's not like we're on Spotify being paid massive money to do this. That being said, <laughs> Spotify, if you want to sponsor us, uh, we always spread misinformation about video games. So and usually it's just our bad memories. Like, you know, it's not on purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's it's completely innocent. I would never like deliberately say something bad about a video game that wasn't called um, Lunar Dragon Song, but regardless. Um, but yeah, <laughs> oh, Sonic Chronicles. <laughs> yep. See, in a weird way, I liked that game, but 
I just tell myself that. Um, now, then, the game we're talking about tonight, if the, the tents weren't there, it is Octopath Traveler. Woohoo! Um, kind of top of mind, given that Squeenix announced another game using the engine, um, Live Alive, which kind of surprised me. Well, uh, it's surprising that it's coming out in that engine. That, uh, what is it, that copyright's been floating around since, what, last summer? Yeah. In, like, Australia and Europe or something like that. So, but yeah. the fact that it's, uh, yeah, HD 2D, that's pretty cool. Um, my, my tinfoil hat theory is that I think they're testing the waters with this one and then maybe see, they, they maybe they would do a Final Fantasy VI with that engine. I would hope, but. It just seems so soon yeah. after the Pixel remaster. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know. Square Enix is notorious for double, triple, quadruple oct, um, oct. I don't even know. I don't even know what it would be. You know, dipping numerous times into the pot for each game. But I can't imagine in good faith that they would. Um, you know, they haven't even announced console ports of the Pixel remaster or the yeah the Pixel remaster. So I would hope. You know, if they, I would love to see it a a two D HD um, remake of Final Fantasy VI. Absolutely, I just don't know that. Um, if we get that, it'll be anytime soon. I do think it's odd, though, how they're picking and choosing what games that they're subjecting to the treatment. Yeah, because um, Dragon Quest Three is getting that treatment, too. And that's what I thought that Triware was at first. Yeah, yeah, I did, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hey, man, if yeah. Ori gets his way, he would love to do one and two that way. Uh, we shall see. Who, who knows? I, I might be wishing on a monkey's paw. We'll get it, but it'll be iOS and Android only. Boo. Uh, Boo. <laughs> Uh, I know, but we'll get to no. that at the very end tonight. But, Am yeah, I the only the, one that thinks that they're going to be using this engine for later Final Fantasy entries, like seven and up. I mean, it would be interesting to see whether or not they would do it. I don't know. Final Fantasy 13 D make. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I was, might actually like that game. I, I was going to say, I said this I when try the, that I said this when the video came out uh, that was uh, 2D. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's 2D, but it wasn't going to fix people's problem with the story. And I like that series. Oh, but but regardless, um, get, getting into the weeds a little bit, but that was my fault. This this is their first foray, foray into the 2D HD engine. And I, right. I thought that it looked pretty good. Um, we're going to have a quick musical interlude, and we're just going to come back and just fire at this game with both barrels good and bad so stick around we will be right back Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, diving straight into Octopath Traveler, released in 2018 for the Nintendo Switch. I think it was in July. I'm not sure because I accidentally closed my Wikipedia window, (laughs) messing with something else. It it was July. I remember it came out in the middle of JRPG July. (laughs) Second week. uh, Yeah, I think that's why I didn't finish it. 
why I paused playing it because I was playing something else for JRPG July and I have no idea what because that was four years ago at this point. Man, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> but yeah, I if I remember correctly, this was announced during that very first Switch presentation um, in a kind of a block of different JRPGs with Fire Emblem Three Houses and Shimigami Tensei Five and Xenoblade Two. Yep, and there was just the one like image. I think it was Ulbrich fighting a, a giant dude, and he was slashing at him. And um, then they mentioned the name, which was what Project Octopath. Yeah. yeah. And we knew that it was by the Bravely Default team, you know, partly because they said so and partly because, well, weird naming, because that's what that team does. (laughs) (laughs) See, triangle strategy. Did they drop a demo for this game when they announced it, like on the Switch store that same day? I can't remember who's saying day and date. I know they dropped the demo long before it came out. There were two different demos, right? Yeah. There was a it very was, early demo where they collected feed, but p- player feedback. I remember that one. That ties into my memory during the roundtable. And then about a year later, they dropped another demo where the progress carried over. And I think you could play for like up to five hours. It was it was a time demo. I know that you, you could at least get through the first chapter of every character if you were quick enough. Okay, I remember something like that. I just remember when the demo came out, um, I had my Switch with me and I was like on a work trip. And I remember just staying in my hotel room and like tethering my phone to my Switch um, so I could like greedily download this demo because this was <laughs> still, it was still when the Switch was still kind of hungry for um, RPGs because it was during the first year of, it, of the mm-hmm. system coming out. And by that point, and you, you know, you had basically done everything you were going to do with Zelda. And while I, I pulled up the Wikipedia page and I didn't know this, the people that worked on this worked on Bravely Default and Bravely Second. I knew that. I did not know that they had worked on what did I do this to deserve? What did I do to deserve this, my lord? If you guys have ever heard of that series. Nope. Nope. It, it's kind of like a um, strategy ant farm type game. Um, it was published by NIS for the PSP way back in the day. Um, it's it's a really obscure series that I kind of like um, for its charm, but yeah. Was it Japan only, or did it come no, to the West? No, it, it came to the West. I think it was just very obscure. I It was only on my radar because back then I pretty much bought everything that NIS put out um, before Neptunia um, disappointed me. <laughs> I, I had to learn to be much more cautious, but yeah, that that's a weird connection for me. I, I didn't uh, realize that wasn't an NIS game. <laughs> yep. And yeah, you're right. The working title was Project Octopath Traveler and it was announced on January 13th, 2017, which I believe was that initial Switch presentation. And then the first demo was released on September 13th, 2017. Um and then the second demo was June fourteenth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, once once I saw the the image of the game and it was a sprite based RPG that Square was making, uh, I got excited and I was like, "Yep, I'm going to be buying this game day one, no oh, question." It looks so good. It looks yeah. so good. Uh, you know, I I feel like this is where JRPG should have went visually since the PlayStation, because a lot of RPGs like Final Fantasy VII were trying to chase that 3D look, while other ones were kind of still staying in the SNES look. And to me, this is just that perfect blend of modern and classic. 
I agree. There's definitely there's like there's something that's so especially if you grew up with the Super Nintendo era of role playing games. Like there's something about this aesthetic that just kind of like speaks to you. And I I think that one of the big problems that this game ended up having was that when it was released and all these screenshots come out and you don't really know anything about the story, there were so many comparisons immediately to Final Fantasy VI. And I Mm -hmm. I think it was I think it was based on like town design and just like how everything looked. and I think that was one of the, the biggest things, that, uh, the biggest issues that the game ended up having upon release was everyone kind of played the story. And um, especially at least at review level, you know, all these all these reviews are coming out saying that the stories are so disjointed. I think it really kind of um, left a bad taste in the, the mouths of gamers who were looking forward to like a really substantial, like um, plot heavy role playing game. Yeah, and I can see where they're coming from from that, but I can also tell that people that had those reviews clearly never played a a, a saga game, because that's pretty <laughs> much how the saga games are. Uh, you know, Saga Frontier, Saga Frontier oh, yeah. Two, that kind of stuff. Where yeah, you, you play as one character and you play through their entire story, and then you play through it as the next character. The only difference being that this one you can either choose to go all the way through, which is kind of to your detriment because. Um, you know the 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 leveling kind of doesn't work that way. You're kind of more encouraged to do everybody's chapters separately. Yeah, and, and see that's part of what I didn't really work for me was that it does you know kind of for you know you can't just choose one character and go through the whole idea is like okay you're going to do everybody's chapter one and then you're going to do everybody's chapter two and then you're going to do everybody's chapter three because that's kind of how the leveling works out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so you'll go to the same town and you know like. It might be chapter two for Primrose, and it might be chapter three for Old Brick, maybe in the same town. But if you go and do Primrose's stuff, it'll be like, oh, all the enemies will be level 24 in the dungeon. And then if you're doing chapter three, it'll be level 37. So, yeah, there's no way or it would be extremely tedious to try and play them through, you know, like each each one linearly. Oh, yeah. But I, but that didn't really work for me because like the the downside of that is like you could go a really long time from where you if you started with one character in chapter one play all the way through all the chapter ones and then maybe you you don't get back to that character maybe that wasn't one of your favorite characters and you let them kind of go go you know to the wayside you could go a really long time and then just kind of not even remember what the hell was going on in the in the the original story. Yeah, because I I remember in the demo, I went through everybody's chapter one, and then it was about a month before I actually started the game up proper and did everybody's chapter two. And then at that point, you know, I, I it was about a 20 level jump because you're about level 20 by the time you finish chapter everybody's chapter two. And it really encourages encourages you to be around the 30 to 40 range um, when you start three. So I... I spent a lot of time grinding up my characters and I think I got distracted by something else and it was like 2019 before I got around to um, finishing the game doing everybody's chapter threes. Those jumps were just so were so ridiculous. It's like you'd finish Cyrus's first chapter and then it would be like a 12, 15 level gap between uh, like the recommended level for starting his next chapter. It's like um I, I liked the suggestion. It just it forced your hand too much, and I really thought that that kind of took over. that was a detriment, another detriment to the game, um, where you have this illusion of choice, but then it's like, no, really, if you really want to do this, you got to bust your ass to to grind these characters up uh, through the same few maps from that chapter over and over again. Yeah, you guys need to go cat hunting. 
<laughs> hey, hey, those those fat cat cheese, man. If you can hit them, they're the metal, the liquid metal slimes. That being said, I don't encourage hurting cats. <laughs> but no, um, I spent a lot of time at the time the the recommended grinding spot from twenty to thirty was like outside one of the coastal towns, beating up birds. I yep, can't even tell was, you where oh, it was. Oh, oh, I just typed about that the other day. Like that's the exact one I did. You, yeah, what you're talking about it. Um. Uh, there was some sort of diving seabird, and every now and then you'd encounter a cat in that area. Oh gosh, I just yeah. typed that in the other day. Okay. And 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 I guess they were weak to arrows or something, so you could beat them really easy if you your main character was haunted, like my main character. And I spent so much time outside of that area just grinding up. And my my method was grinding up three people. Um, Hotit, Ophelia, and Cyrus, and then having one of them that was just kind of care you'd carry, and yeah, each chapter I'd have those three powerhouses. Um, I, I made a point to unlock a lot of their job stuff so that they would be able to, you know, take a lot of damage and dish out a lot of damage and basically do a whole lot of weak point hitting. And that's how I played through the entire game was just having three characters that were just super OP compared to the rest of the party. Oh, Kelly, that's exactly what I did. Okay, so I found it too. It's uh, when you're getting to the chapter two areas, you can get over to Grandport. It's uh, like the southern east, southeasternmost town. And it's a level 45 area. But if you're like level 15 or more, Every time you leave Grandport, uh, you will get in a battle with two Kingfishers. And every now and then you'll get one of the cats, one of the super rare ones. But at level 15 and up, as long as you have a hunter on your team with the arrows, I think is what you said. Mm-hmm. It is just you could easily like gain a level once every fight, every other fight. And I did that, too. I think I got I did exactly what you said. I had um, well, I had my thief because I started as him and I had had it. And then um, I had I, I can't remember who my third one was, but I pretty much did what you did. You know, I had my team of three and then whoever's chapter I was playing, you know, they were walking around with that OP team forever. Yeah. And, and I, I just and- pulled the fourth one along and that's how we did the story. And I'll say I I distinctly remember like grinding for two hours and then I never had a problem the rest of the game. Yeah, there was, you know, battles that were required tricks and everything. But Mm -hmm. those two hours kept me from so many like I've seen so many complaints over the years like, oh, my God, I had to grind between chapters. Oh, my gosh, I had to do this. I was like, no, I never really had that problem. I spent literally two hours grinding and the rest of the game progressed like normal because I didn't. I didn't stop until I was at least level 40 on three different characters. And that, that, that mm-hmm. took me a while. Um, and, and yeah, just kind of swapping out the other, the tertiary ones every once in a while, just so that they'd all kind of stay even, but at least having the three OP ones. And I think at that point I was strong enough to go, go around to the different job shrines to pick up all the other jobs just to do sub jobs. Oh, yeah. there was a, there was another uh, part. So that method of, uh, you know, with the kingfishers, I was just looking back at where I found that. And I totally did this, too, because in Grandport, um, there is a thieving trips, tips and tricks um, thing that you can successfully inquire about or if you're scrutinizing with Ulbrich and it increases your thieving ability. And I use that because after that, I like went thieving throughout the whole land. I was going as far as the game would let me stealing like, you know, strength plus 100 weapons and everything. I save scum to galore. <laughs> 
So maybe I did put in a little more than the two hours afterwards, but it just, you know, like maybe three or four hours of time there, like two nights of playthrough, and the rest was okay. It, it was a game that you could break by doing that, and man, I broke that wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, as far as to do, doing a whole lot of the thieving, like if I couldn't get 100%, then I didn't bother because I didn't want to have to deal with the consequences. Um, the <laughs> I, consequences weren't that bad. Yeah, I but I did after I got up to up to forty, went through some level forty dungeons and got the my character some decent gear so that they could just trout stuff. And yeah, I I don't know what you guys' method, the rest of you guys' method was for getting through the game. Um, other other than Josh, who I know doped out before the grinding was even an issue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, my my biggest complaint about this game is definitely the pacing because man, it, it characters needed some catch up mechanic, something so that it wasn't as tedious. As, especially if you you know had characters that you just didn't like. Like I didn't particularly care for Alvin because I had Ophelia so powerful that she was just my main hero throughout the game. So I really found Alvin Alvin kind of useless. So it I, was the I hun- barely used him. It was the hunter for me. I avoided doing her uh, story. Like to the very end, and then by the time I, I um, had everyone else's storylines were completely done, and I just like went and scooped her up and um, just like blasted through her chapters. I think honestly at that point too, I was just like so turned off by the voice acting and just like the general structure of her tale. It was like I don't really care about your mentor because I can hardly stand to listen to your voice. <laughs> so I'm just sitting here sh- slapping that A button, man, flying through those story scenes um, with her. So, but like a, a lot of um, cycle, you know, like what you do in other RPGs where you've got party members who you need to catch up, where you'll like put two like tanks up front and then you throw in like the little bitch in the back that's got like like level one and then you just watch like after a couple battles like gaining five levels at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's what I did with her at least. If they survive. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're like, don't die, don't die in those first few battles. Um, and then you, yeah, I did a lot of that during when I was playing uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. Like, you throw in a couple level one guys, and then you're like, you're in with your level 15, you're just watching them just fly up, you know? Yeah, and man, speaking of Pokemon Arceus, man, the, the, this game could use um, EXP candies for catch up. Oh, hell yeah. Because that is nice when you've got a new a new character or a new Pokemon that you want to try and it's underleveled. So just th- throw in a couple of candies that you have lying, lying around. And I don't see why this game couldn't have had a similar mechanic where, you know, some of the boss fights award you some EXP items so that you could catch up just a little bit. That way your dudes aren't so far behind. Because, oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, the story is what carries this game. The stories stories yes definitely because <laughs> um, yeah i wanted to see every single character's story and i wanted to know what was going on with them and you know each chapter each of their chapters kind of playing playing like a tv show where it leaves you on a cliffhanger and it's like oh my god what happens next for me the story was the was probably the least um exciting part of the game so um I enjoyed the, like, after you complete everyone's stories and seeing how everything comes together, I thought was neat. Um, but by then, uh, but other than that, it was like, I just, I felt like there was such little engagement between the characters in bet- outside of those little vignettes that they would be doing, um, like, that'd be two characters at a time. Um, so, I yeah, only a few characters' stories got me excited. I liked Primrose's story, Cyrus's story, um, I also, um, Olberg's story, um, but it was like, 
um, the other stories you just I, you would see their plot twist coming just like from the beginning of chapter one. So I feel like Ophelia, I kind of felt like it was a bit of a slog. Um, and then especially Hamfnit, I think that's her name. Hot it. Yeah. Hot, yeah. Oh man. I couldn't stand her story. <laughs> was it her story or was her... it the localization? It was, oh, it was, it, the, I, yeah, the story was probably not the part of what I found. It was the localization that I just found to be so, um, it was yeah, just they went hard on yeah. that, like stylized uh, old language. English. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, it you, didn't you, work the best. You're talking about seeing the plot twist coming from a mile away. It was like an elfin story when he goes to uh, help the heal the bandit, and the other guy's like, "No, I don't heal bad people." And Alvin's like, "Well, I must heal them. I, it's my doctor. It's my duty as a doctor." And it's like, "Gee, I wonder what's going to happen after uh-huh. he heals the bandit." Oh yeah! Exactly. Oh, lovely. He kidnapped the kid. <laughs> and you had mentioned Kelly earlier that, like in the saga games, you know they are they're great at dropping you into like these these narratives that like they don't hold your hand. And like you know, in Saga Frontier, one of the the most fun uh, things you can do is just to go pick up the characters and bring mm-hmm. them in your party. And you know, you pick them up in all sorts of like weird fashions, and um, most of them have no rationale for joining you, but. Um, at least it, it just seems so much more cohesive, at least with just like the gameplay systems and everything else in, in the saga uh, like series. It, in this game, it just felt um, it just felt like they were missing something. Like there was there was a real a lot of really meaningful opportunities that you could have had the characters interact and like you could have had um, chances for like old brick and primrose to really um, kind of get get along and kind of identify how they're similar how, how similar they are. Um, but instead, I spent a lot of the time wondering why Ophelia would be hanging out with a thief, you know, and like just like going on along with him while he's completing these like thieving missions. Um, so it just there was I, there was no suspension of disbelief that you have in, in the saga games because um, the saga games just seem so unhinged from every aspect from like the battle systems and the the way you learn techniques and just everything and there seems like there's you know throwing you for a loop and in this game at least everything seems so tightly wound between the job systems and the battle mechanics and even like there's just like there's a good like presentation of the actual graphics um it just felt like the way that they were handling the stories um just seemed to me like it fell apart so yeah when people talk about um the narrative being something that really drove them to like continue playing the game or something that, that they felt like was a high point for me, it was the total opposite. I, I mean, you're not wrong. And I've heard um, some fans of the game justify it as well. It's like a tabletop RPG and that each of these characters have their different motives and they're just kind of there for each other's convenience. But especially given how everything ties together at the end, I just don't understand why they didn't do more, make more of an effort to make it's the a, characters interact. It, it is interesting that the same development team who made uh, Bravely Default, the series, and I'm playing through Bravely Default 2 right now on the side as well. They have party skits, you know, kind of like in the Tale series. Mm-hmm. And so you're four, you only have four characters in Bravely, and they have skits and they talk to each other, and it's just a little more background and characterization. But then the same team, they make Octopath, and you've got twice as many. You got eight characters and basically zero interaction as you go through each story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had so, yeah, skits, I, right? Like yeah, they maybe had ten skits. totals. <laughs> they, there to weren't many. Be but honest, yeah, they were. You're right. There. To be honest, toward, towards the end of the game, 
I was just skipping those skits just because at that point I didn't care. Mm. Those uh, are the only I, skits you, you I paid want... attention to at the end of the game. <laughs> like those, those, because that was the only time that 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 you felt any sort of like camaraderie. And it's like that's such. And like uh, Jason, you mentioned Tales, and like that is such a great juxtaposition with this game. Is you're you're playing Tales of Arise, and it was like the story I thought was kind of odd. But it was like, man, those skits, like you would feel the like the the friendship and the bonds between these characters. Um, it, it, oh, my gosh. It, you just watch the threads between the characters build during each skit. And then it just it just doesn't make sense, especially like you had said, Kelly, it's like, why are you going to go through all that rigmarole at the end and tie all this world building narrative and bring, bring all the stories together at the eleventh, not even the eleventh, at like the eleven thirty mark, it just it's it just boggles the mind because especially when you have all these people decrying the game for being so weak on the story, and then instead the developers are sitting back being like, oh, just just you wait till you get to the eighty eighty hour mark, and and put blocking <laughs> that behind a gauntlet super boss that even as op as i was i couldn't even get through the first one no me either wow well um, and, and part of the problem well, like i said part of the problem i had with it was that even if there was even if you did like some of the characters and some of their stories then you would end up hit, you know like the game almost kind of forced you to go through and do each of the character stories in each of the chapters and so then you would you know like even if you had a one that you were really interested in then you would hit one that you were was like kind of a dud for you and it would just kind of like ruin the ruin the momentum and my interest in the game 100 percent. i i just it just popped in my head i wonder if they originally intended this game to be mobile first because of the way it was the, the story you know it's possible or you could just play you could play a short chapter on your phone or tablet you know and not get too involved not too invested spend an hour maybe two, do a chapter and then you're done now you're not going to do it while you're standing in the shopping you know grocery grocery store checking out but and see that's how i played this game i played this game like 32 short stories i was completely there for all the short stories and it just it for me that was great i know uh josh you put in the chat even before we started um talking tonight you're uh you know exploring the balance of story and gameplay in rpgs you linked that uh, article and i think <laughs> since october 2018 i've written at least two or three pieces for rp gamer where i've linked back to that and honestly i'm more of a mechanics person which makes a lot of sense but i was there for the storytelling in this one uh, actually more so than longer ones. I, I think I have that shorter atten attention span in games and an 80 hour game. I'm waiting for that payoff way too long where I was OK getting the payoff every two hours here. Was it the whole payoff? No, but, you know, it's it was like watching episodic TV. Like you sit, you watch an episode and then, you, you know, I, I, I didn't grow up with streaming. Um, I'm in my mid 40s. I grew up where I watched an episode and I had to wait an entire week to watch the next episode. Yep. And yep. Th I think that's what this was. I mean, I was playing um, for about a month this game. So, you know, 32 short stories between one and two hours, I would play about a story or if I had a really late night, I could play two stories a night. So it was about a week between, you know, Ulbricht's first chapter and Ulbricht's second chapter and Ulbricht's third chapter. So, I, I mean, maybe it's my age and just how I came to it. I mean, it's definitely what I'm bringing to the table as well. Um, but I, I loved that episodic story. I was fine. I was like, you know, give me give me whatever 
path traveler with 32 stories with 32 individual characters and honestly i'm okay with the other people being there and just being background because it's not their story right now like hold on this is not a uh you know data centric uh star trek the next generation episode this is all about Riker. data's got to be there to fly the ship too but quiet data this is a Riker episode <laughs> yeah um i yeah. i like having you know everyone all eight characters had their own individual story and you know the other <laughs> adventures kind of just came along for the ride um most of the time they weren't even you know involved but um near i think the end in chapters three and four they start to add little you know pieces of the puzzle where you start seeing certain names being thrown around that you've seen in other characters chapters and you're like huh you know that's odd you know there hasn't really been any ties to this story yet i wonder what that's all about and then you know once you um, complete everyone's chapter four and you go to the bonus dungeon everything's kind of intertwined and you're like oh okay that makes you know a little more sense that's how all these characters you know stories are you know connected and i i personally like that it's like i i feel like i like it and i don't because like i said i it, it upset me very much that that connecting tissues put behind super bosses um you know to me that's like the equivalent of having sephiroth's connection to cloud be put behind the emerald and ruby weapon bosses in final that's a really good point yeah that's a good point and to me i think the better connective tissue would have been as you finished each of the chapters um you know drip feeding some of that information so that you know people can kind of it can kind of click a little bit better because you're going through 80 hours of gameplay you're not always going to pick up on these these names um especially not if you're playing it like like matt did where you know it's 32 short stories or like how i did where i did everyone's chapters one and two and then took like a six month break from the game and then came back for everybody's chapter three and four I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's just one of those things that I, th- as much as I enjoyed this game, I felt like the connective tissue could have been a lot better. Oh yeah, Agreed. there's no yeah. denying that. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, not it done as gracefully as, like, in my opinion, just the saga games. Like, uh, and I don't know if it was the um, management of expectations. I think maybe that was a problem that Square Enix had with this game that you don't have with the saga games. But um, you're right, just the connected tissue is just not there. And, like, the parts that they use to, to, like, the breadcrumbs that they bring you through those chapters, they're just, you know, it's just, like, it's too much storytelling, like Final Fantasy thirteen, where it's, like, breadcrumbs and data logs, where you got to, like, pull up a Wikipedia page to understand the overarching story. It's like, mm-hmm. tell me, guys, or tell me or show me, don't make me do some homework to find it. Yeah, I, I equate that to, you know, it being the first game of, you know, Square trying this kind of, um, you know this new series because look back at Tales of Fantasia and there isn't really much character interaction or character development in that game either. It took the Tales series some time for the skits to even show up. I believe they showed up in Symphonia unless there was a Japanese only game that had them. They had them in Tales of um, Tales of Destiny Two, which is Tales of Eternia if I recall correctly. Yeah. See, see, this is one of the more frustrating games for me that I remember playing because it's one of those things, I think me and Matt talked about it offline at one point where like all of the individual parts of this game, I think are great. Like the graphics are just 
gorgeous and it has just one of the most outstanding soundtracks i've heard and incredible variety on that and the stories are even pretty decent you know the individual character stories are pretty decent but somehow it just and the the combat is fantastic but somehow it just doesn't quite come together for me you know it's like all these individual parts for me are like five out of five and the overall whole somehow comes in at like three out of five yeah, like they had no. a lot of good ideas, but just couldn't really tie them together that well. No, Josh, I remember that conversation. I, I actually, this was something I put in like my memories. Like I remember messaging you back and forth because I wrote a review for this game a full year after it came out because there was no review. And I was like, oh, hey, I finally just got a Switch. Let, let, I'll, I'm playing this right away. And I went to look at our, our reviews and I'm like, oh, there's no review here. And I think I mentioned it. And then you like messaged me on the side like, oh, I was going to do it. But, you know, I just. I kind of fell off it. I didn't, and I didn't want to, you brought up that point. Like there's so many good parts. I just didn't see the connection. And for me, I was like, ah, I'm fine with the disconnection. And that's just, you know, our, our personal things there. And that's all right. But yeah, like I agreed with you, all those parts, I look at my review and I've got four out of five or five out of five for everything. And for me, that was a 4.5 out of five. Like it, it just, I was okay with all that. I was okay with the 32 short stories. I was fine with the anthology storytelling. And then again, I was also there for the mechanics more than the story. So the part of the story that some people wanted, I was okay that it wasn't there. So, but then again, that's just, that's me. That's you. And you know, that's why we have these podcasts and that's why we have different oh. reviewers and yes. have all these viewpoints. Cause I'm with you, Matt, e- even though everything felt kind of disjointed overall, I still had fun with my time with the game and would recommend mm-hmm. it to other RPG fans with a caveat that there's going to be some things that annoy the crap out of you. And whether or not you can get past those things is whether or not you're, you're going to gain any enjoyment from this game. Um, right. And, and, you know, that's kind uh, yeah. of the same caveat people, have with saga games too where you're either it's either gonna click or it's gonna just fall flat (laughs) oh dear god yes i would recommend uh anyone who hasn't played this game uh if they're afraid that the bad news about the story being disparate and all that i'd say the presentation the visuals and the music and the battle system and the job system all those combined more than make up for any anything the story lacks oh yeah Yeah. i mean how many perfect games are there out there there's there's not so Take this game that's, you know, probably going to have about five out of the six things you really love. And if you find with that sixth one being, you know, not perfect. Hey, listen, you got to you got a five out of six things that are right there. Uh, I mean, the bizarre thing song two out of three ain't bad. The the bizarre thing for me is that I'm not even that big of a, you know, I'm not that crazy about this game, but I would still recommend people try it because Mm -hmm. it, it does so many things so well. That, right. you know, like, it's worth giving a shot to. Right. It's it's high caliber. It, uh, very high quality. Very, very well polished. You know, it's Square Enix, so. Let me ask you guys something. Do you think that an easy mode could have fixed all of these problems? No, I don't think so. I think no. the problems easy that mode? the games have are all in, in no. game design. Yeah, no. <laughs> the easy mode is adding Cyrus to your party so you can find out the enemy's weakness. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta tell you real quick. So, because I'm only 41 hours into the game, but Cyrus is the guy that I started with, um, and he's my favorite still. Um, and I just found out in my last, oh, in the last 15 hours of play, that you could use the boost points to reveal 
more than one of the enemy's weaknesses at the same time. And I just, my mind was just like, of course. And I love it. So if they're yep. weak to spears, lances, uh, staff, swords, and daggers or whatever, uh, and also the elemental weaknesses, and there's like five of them, and you're trying to figure out, okay, how can I break this shield real quick? So I get like three or four boost points on Cyrus. I use Tressa to to donate BP to him. So on this very first try, I can I can bust out four, and I reveal four of their weaknesses, and boom, break their shield. Which is fun. I love the battle system. Anyway. I was going to say, let's talk about that for a bit. Yeah, I, see, for me, I would just uh, sit there and poke at, poke at the enemies with everything until I figured it out. I didn't want to waste BP on, uh, you know, trying to do, the, what is it, the information? Scru- scrutinize. Scrutinize. Yeah, uh, and that's what's great, because each character has a specific skill set and, you know, their job skills. And you can strategize, you can mix and match and play to your strengths or to your preferences. So they did really well balancing it, I think. Gosh, I don't remember that scrutinize. I remember doing what Kelly said, just poking at it with every single thing possible. But damn, Jason, I wish I would have remembered that or noticed that during <laughs> the game, because that's something I that that's an exploit. I mean, here I am, like grinding yeah. for two hours and saving the whole game and running from, you know, my chapter two city to chapter four cities and stealing the best equipment from people. Like with like five percent chances, that that would have been another exploit. I would have used a bunch. So eighty, I put eighty hours into the game, and I don't even recall that it being a thing. So yeah, that's awesome. I, I, that's another way to do it. I started with uh, Therion, and so you get early access to all the the purple treasure chests. So you get yes. some pretty good items. And uh, I remember just trying to steal things from people from the get go, even if the percentage was super low. Because I think what it would say, you have like five more times before your reputation is tarnished. And I'm like, reputation, what does that mean? What does that mean? So I, you know, I just kind of ignored it when it, you actually lower your reputation. I think you can't talk to anyone anymore. So you have to go outside and you fight a random encounter and then your reputations, it's just, it's back. So I was like, okay, who cares? I don't think it it wasn't that easy. You had to like pay the bartender to spread good word about you, didn't you? Is that what it was? I remember it was something so simple. But you had to pay for him to spill the good tea. Yep. <laughs> it, it. I mean, it wasn't hard. It might have got pricey, but oh, yeah, and you know, you, you talk about the purple chest. I totally forgot that too, because yeah, the same starter, and I would run into very high level places, and again with the purple chest, just steal that purple chest and get out, because he could run away from battle pretty easily too. Yeah, every dungeon had a purple chest, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So having access to that from the very beginning, that was another one that, like, once I was able to get into Chapter 2 and explore more of the world, it was like, let me go here. I'm going to run in and steal it. And I feel like none of them, I, I mean, maybe there were some, but none of them were, like, super deep that I had to do the whole dungeon just to get to the purple chest. Yeah, you just stay by so, the safe spot. You run to the purple chest. If you die, then you start back at the safe spot again. Try, yep. try again. <laughs> try again. Yeah, you could. You could also use Cyrus's uh, one of his support skills, uh, evasive maneuvers, to reduce enemy encounters. I think it cut him in I, half, but I'm not sure. I did do that. That I remember. Between that and the purple chests, man, I was in. Yeah, I was in chapter four places and chapter two. Yeah, like, just stealing. At least when, whatever one's unlocked. You couldn't always go everywhere. Right. Uh, when I'm in explore mode and I want to map out a dungeon or an area I'm in, I'll put on evasive maneuvers so I can reduce enemy encounters, which which are random in this game. You don't see enemies on the map. Mm-hmm. And, and that would help me walk farther before I got attacked. But then when I'm in grinding mode, I take that off and I'm like, come at me. You know, I need, yep. I need the points. 
Uh, quick clarification on Cyrus. So his path action is called scrutinize, where you could talk to NPCs and glean some more information from them. But in battle, his scholar skill is called analyze. That's the one that reveals ah, the, H right. the HP and the weakness of the, of the enemies. But with boost points, you can do it more than one at a time in one turn. So analyze and scrutinize. Yeah, once you get start getting the advanced jobs, the mm -hmm. you can really break the game with the boost system. Um, hello, sidestep. <laughs> so what would you call this battle system? A, a little bit of Bravely Default, a little bit of Final Fantasy V with the job system? I think Bravely Default's got a job system. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, oh, yeah, I'd say that right. mixed mix with Persona and like the weakness and breaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought the weakness and breaks was one of the coolest things. I mean, I, I love Bravely, uh, you know, one, two, and the other two. Um, but I these breaks things were pretty cool, like you said, like almost Persona-esque. But it was cool that like each one would have like a certain number of times you could hit it before you break it. And the break wouldn't necessarily be just one round. You'd knock out two attacks. Yep. The so, current round in the next one. Correct. So you know, you'd want to time that too, because you wouldn't want to do it if like your player was the last one to go in that round. Mm-hmm. Because then it would only take off one round, I think, for the guy. Or would it do the two next rounds? Or it would be. It would depend on their turn order, I think. Yeah, it I was would. gonna say, because you could manipulate a turn order, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I remember doing that to make sure I would be going to get that last blow earlier in the round than who I was attacking, so I could have the full two rounds of them being weak once you break them, and you know them actually missing two attacks. And a lot of boss fights were kind of planned around, you know, trying to break them before they would do the, their super attacks. So that, oh, yes, heck yes. Yes. You wouldn't get pounded. And I, I appreciate I appreciate any battle system in any RPG that isn't just mashing the A button to win. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there was a definite, a definite tension here. And, you know, even though I grinded really quite a bit um like i didn't think it gave me a super unfair advantage on the bosses it allowed me to go through places like not worrying too much but i mean yeah like you said kelly with the you know their big attacks and everything they still hit like they weren't playing that was gonna wipe out somebody and i always had that third or fourth party member that was way lower than everybody else so it was no cakewalk i i died plenty yep. yeah then, i went through my fair share of uh revive potions in some fights right and then the um the bosses actually end up getting smarter near the end chapters and start blocking some of their weaknesses oh god i have not seen that yet oh you'll see it <laughs> Some of you're like, you're stacking with the sword. You're like, yeah, sword. And then they're like, yep, the sword weakness has been removed. And you're like, oh, <laughs> shucks. <laughs> okay, I take it back. I think on one of the earlier boss battles, I did see that. It puts like a red diagonal line through it. Mm -hmm. And see, it, if it's temporary, right? Yeah. Lasts a few yeah, rounds. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, okay. for, for me, what was always frustrating was any character that had a weakness to wind because that was the one weakness with my party makeup that I could not cover. Because I think it was Tessa that had wind-based abilities. Yes. Uh, yes. Now, if you had, you know, Hannah, she can capture some uh, beasts. And some of the beasts, like some of the birds she captured, some of their attacks would be wind attacks. So if you had some of those stocked up, you could use those. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't always a guarantee. Yeah, yeah that's I... something we haven't uh, talked about. Because, um, you know, as well as all the... I think we mentioned it that all these, or at least most of them, have an ability to be used in town. Like, uh, Ethereum, he can steal from NPCs. 
um, Ophelia can recruit NPCs to come fight with you, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. then Tessa buys yeah. stuff from NPCs. Yep. And Hannah's got kind of that Ophelia ability, but with monsters, she can capture them and then release them later. Um, she also duels people in town using just her, I think, <laughs> the cat uh, wind. Because um, that's the thing. Every single character has a counterpart for their path ability. So ideally, you want to have a character with each path ability in your party. Yeah, because um, Cyrus is interrogate and Alfin is God. I can't remember the name name of it, but it's, he could basically do the same thing. Yeah, it's basically the same. And then you had the duel with Hanna and um, does Ulbrich do it too? Ulbrich, yeah. Um, and and they duel people to get people out of the way because certain buildings that are blocked off usually have the best goodies. Yep. Yeah. And and then yeah, uh, Primrose and Ophelia could recruit people. Um, allure and guide, yes. which um, which is how you had to do a lot of the side quests in the game. Uh, getting people to follow you so that you could take them to their appropriate town, which was always frustrating because, of course, they would get attacked. Yes, the fetch quests were sometimes fetch people. Yeah. And then, yeah, um, stealing with Therion and buying stuff with Tessa. Mm-hmm. Which, why anybody would buy stuff when you could just steal it, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's a morality thing. There were certain items that Tessa could buy that Therion couldn't steal. Okay, that's what I yeah. thought. Yeah, as long as you had the money, you were guaranteed to get certain items. But with Therion and stealing, there's always a percentage chance that maybe maybe you do, maybe you don't. And then you get an item later in the game that lets you have uh, increase your chances for stealing, which is nice. Ah, uh, yeah, I got Therion was the fifth character that I got, and I did you know his chapter one, and then I chucked him to the side, just stuck with my four original guys because I kept grinding their levels up. Uh, took a long break, and then over the past week, I got all the rest of them. So mostly, mostly chapter one and two for many of them, but chapter three, I think Cyrus chapter three is as far the farthest I've gotten so far. But yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of digressing back to our our first topic on the story. Uh, I, I I like it. I like it, even though it's not it's not linear. So if if the story and the characters interacted more, and they had from the very get go a single antagonist that they were all going after, you know, uh, or they all had to save the the planet, and same goal in mind, uh, then people would complain on the internet. Oh, it's too linear. So it's like they went the other direction. They went a little too far. <laughs> To the other end of the spectrum, and now it's totally non-linear. But for some people, I guess me, I get bored easily, so I can be doing a chapter or two on one character, and I'm like, you know what? I'm tired of them. I'm gonna go over here and see what this other person's up to, and find out what more about them and what their interests are. And I really, one aspect I really liked about the story, uh, and I kind of mentioned it, instead of there's a single focused antagonist and goal. Uh, like save the planet, go after Sephiroth and Final Fantasy Seven or Kefka in number six. Each person has a very unique, personal to them goal that they're you know going in this large world. They're all can the only way they are connected uh, is is they share the same geography, the same overworld, if you will. Uh, even though they have different towns and and regions and biomes and whatnot, but. I, I really like how they had the, their own personal goal uh, and reason for doing whatever whatever they had to do. So even though they were disparate and they didn't overlap or relate, interact very much, I, I don't know. I just liked uh, it. 
I, one one I, the soap opera is what comes to mind a lot. It's like you've got you've got someone over here dealing with NPCs and and thing and things going on on one side, and then say Cyrus over here, Tress over there, and they're all they end up walking together across this planet, this world, and just using each other's strengths. But otherwise, not really interacting. It doesn't work for everybody, but it works works well enough for me. You know, we've uh, we keep mentioning these names. Should we do a quick overview of the names, like who these octopath people are? I, I know that they spell octopath. They do spell octopath. <laughs> they can spell a lot of other things we learned today too. Thank you, anagram maker. Uh, wow. it, it bothered me a little bit too much that it, the artwork on the inside of the switch case wasn't in the in the order of the spelling. Oh, come on, man! <laughs> Try harder, it, guys. It, it actually bothered me too, honestly. Okay, I, I was expecting that to be the case. I am if so you're gonna do it, just, just do it. Yeah, yeah. Go like, full send. Come on now. It's uh, Octopath for a reason. Now the go, question go is, the... what did it spell? Did it spell poop chat? I'd have to look. I have no idea, and I'm unfortunately <laughs> the box is on the other other side of the room. That was just a funny observation I made when I got the game, and glad it's, I'm glad I'm not the only person that it bothered. <laughs> I think it's spelled Taco so, Bot. Yeah. So the anagram is the only connective tissue between these characters at the very outset of the game, before you even put it in the switch, and, and then at the very end, they all tie together some other way. Is that how it works? Yeah. Uh, um, I know you're still playing the game, Jason, but that te- that 10 minute video I posted before the uh, stream, um, mm-hmm. yeah, sums up the entire story of everybody's story and how it connects within 10 minutes. <laughs> and I watched that, watched that, sat back. I was kind of like, huh? And I spent 80 hours in this game for the same <laughs> same result. So if I just watch that real quick, it just saved me a lot of time. There a little bit. I mean, <laughs> depending on how much enjoyment you're deriving from the game, if you're having fun, I would recommend finding oh. all that out <laughs> oh, yourself. Yeah. Obviously. Oh uh, yeah, as much as I can, I'll find out. I'm. I love, like I said, I love the battle system. I'm enjoying it a lot. I love the world. Uh, I love the visual presentation. I love the soundtrack. So everything else about it, I'm I'm in, I, and I want more. So I'm gonna keep going after it. But yeah, we've we've got Ophelia, who is one of the sisters that works at the Church of Flames Grace, and she embarks on a pilgrimage to restore light to the realm in her adoptive sister's stead. And I, I forget, is she trying to bring the white flame back, or trying to obtain the white flame? She's trying to get a piece of white flame from each shrine. I believe. Okay. Yeah, she's got she and it was supposed to be her adoptive sister's task, but you know, adoptive dad falls ill, and oh, now it's your job. You got to go do this. And of and course, then, you know, she gets betrayed by everybody, everywhere, at every turn. And then we have Cyrus Albright. Um, no relation to her own Robert Albright. Just to point that out. Um, hey there, Tam. <laughs> he is a professor at the Royal Academy located in Alistam and is found which is found in the Flatlands, and he is known for caring greatly about knowledge and his passage, passion for teaching. And he's basically the Sherlock Holmes of the group. Yes, his his job is the scholar. Ophelia was the was the cleric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and by the way, each person has kind of a deity that that i guess that represents their job so there's alfred the cleric and then i'll i'm gonna butcher all of these names elephant the scholar for cyrus and then tressa corazon oh hey let's go back to cyrus for a minute didn't he oh, have sure. like wasn't there a problem with like a student like a student was hitting on him or something he I, I guess there was a student that wanted to study with him more, and then another student got jealous and turned him in. So they made him leave the school while 
they were investigating. Take a sabbatical. Yeah. And he found this book. Oh God, I can't remember the name, the name but no, this this evil book. And from it's, the far reaches of hell, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's it was right. missing from the library. Yeah. So he's going so, after to find a missing so, library book. Hey, if you if you gotta take a sabbatical, why not go find the missing library book? Like that's what I always say. They always say, you know, the far reaches of hell. What about those <laughs> near reaches of hell? Are, are those places that bad? Just, just the places you could like dabble in, like oh, you know, no, it's just, just mildly uncomfortable there. <laughs> just where you go for petty crimes like software piracy. Yeah. Okay, because that's probably where I'm going. H- hack your 3ds. Go to the near, the, the near hell. I'll, hey. I'll be joining you guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we got Tressa Corzone, who is the daughter of two merchants who created the Cor- Corzone trading shop in the port town called Rippletide, and she is walking the realm of Australia as a traveling merchant, and her story starts by meeting a pi- uh, former pirate-turned-merchant named Leon, and she buys a, a adventure journal and starts kind of going through the adventure, adventure journal and finding this guy's adventures. And Tressa's story is the most lighthearted of the eight, um, so I recommend saving her for last as a palette cleanser. Palette cleanser is a good way to think of that. <laughs> yes, the 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 difference between Tressa and like Primrose's first chapter is night and day. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I then we've it, got Ulbrich yeah. Eisenberg, a knight from the Lost Kingdom, um, who has become a self sword and has temporarily resided in Cobblestone, and has has a chance meeting with one of his previous brothers in arms, and is trying to find out why his Lost Kingdom basically fell. And I believe that Lost Kingdom ties into like that story bit in the end about the gate. Oh and... yeah, Hornberg's big for the ending. Yeah, it needed to fall. It's all so part Ulbrich, of their plan. Uh, Ulbrich's from the uh, Dragon Quest Eleven Heroes hometown, <laughs> Cobblestone. And and yeah, I I will say that I think of all the stories I found, Ulbrich still be the least interesting. I think yeah. that kind of blew through his story just because none of it resonated with me. No, I, it, and you know, you, I, just reading the little summaries that we had, like he decides to set on the fa- to find the answers he seeks. One of them is why he swings his blade. <laughs> he set out to find himself. Okay. And then we've got Primrose Azelhart, who is a member of a proud noble house until her father uh, got murdered, and now she's taken the role as a as a quote unquote dancer in sunshade and is trying to track down the men who murdered her father um i say dancer in quotes because the game makes it pretty clear that she's not just a dancer uh, oh no she she's prostituted she yeah got she's got a pimp this. she got she got she got sold in the slavery yeah and yeah. and her killing that pimp in the first chapter is one of the most satisfying things in the game period oh, it was yeah. so savage and i was like cheering <laughs> her on yes yeah you slit her you slit his throat that's like you know as opposed to next week when we uh talk about trails of cold steel 2 and, yeah, and, and um, nobody dies for um for getting but doesn't his like voice gurgle as the as a yes. throat slit mm-hmm. yes yeah <laughs> well, at least twice well, not only that, it's so satisfying because he's talking down to her the entire time in that first chapter, and then you know makes a makes a comment about how it's a it's a shame that she's betraying him because uh, she's her favorite, or, or was that her friend? He kills, well, yeah, like, he kills he, her best friend. Yeah, he, he kills, kills her friend yeah. right in front of her. Like, hey, yes. remember your BFF? Dead. And yeah. and yeah, just watching her fight back is just like, oh, chef's kiss. You go, girl. 
and then yeah, yeah she says i'm done dancing for you i'm dancing for myself now mm-hmm. and it's like the rest of her story is ba- basically using her skills as a dancer um to infiltrate other style other places to find um who are the people with the crow tattoos right the crow yeah yeah the the Uh, left and right wing of the crow and then the actual Mm -hmm. crow and and then getting into her finale real quick the the fact that the guy that put on her finale put on a play of her life story Mm. very sadistic yes Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah hers is definitely the most heart-wrenching and yet sort of satisfying story since she does get her revenge oh yeah hers is the best story I would agree. Because then after that, we've got Alfred Greengrass, who is an apothecary, and he... He's such a hippie. He's, such, yeah. he's just like, <laughs> I'm such a goody two-shoe, and like, I must do what's, what's you know, right and good by my uh, duty as an apothecary. And it's like, okay, we get it. He's the hypocritical he all... personified. <laughs> he yeah. says all this while carrying a giant axe and just swinging it around <laughs> like a madman. How else are you going to cut down the uh, herbs you need? <laughs> got to peel some bark off the widow bark tree, you know, with the widow trees. And... He's had too much bitter root. <laughs> and I don't even remember what his story culminated into. I only remember the chapter where he healed the bandit and then the bandit kidnapped the kid. Gosh, well, you were just burning my material for the second part of this podcast. <laughs> my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Spoiler. There's something with Ogden, like the guy that was in that other chapter that he ends with. Um, Ogden's illness is the same that he had when he was a child. Um, He cures Ogden at the end from the same thing that he had. And then it's something about an apothecary that cured him when he was a kid. Yeah. And that leads into the the finale. Yeah. That that, uh, sickness is actually like the the big bad villain of this Mm -hmm. um, game because it's what ties a lot of the stories together. Because if it wasn't for that sickness, then that apothecary wouldn't go on the journey and find Alfin to set him on his journey and then send Tress on her journey and then ultimately end up being Hanit's, you know, big bad villain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because then we've got Therian's story who he... It's a rumor that there's a mansion that has an unstealable item, so of course he goes in to try to steal it. But it was all test for them to find the greatest thief so that he could go steal something for them. And he's got to steal back the dragon stone. These items called the dragon stones, and I think there's three of them. <laughs> there is. And um, there's something in there about his former partner that betrayed him, and he gets the dragon stones back. And surprise, those dragon stones tie into the connective tissue at the end of the story. And then there's your girl. Yep, hot it. She she's my favorite. Um, so sorry, whoever hated her. I can't. I think it was Paul that hated her. <laughs> yeah, I still hate her. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> I thought she was cool, but yeah, she, she's a hunter and she's trying to find her master who went missing. And something about I'm a monster storytelling right there. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much all her story is, is just trying to find her master. Um, she's trying to cure her master and find the beast called Red Eye. Yeah. Yeah, where I'm from we call that third wave feminism. <laughs> <laughs> she's still cool though. 
and and yeah that's all pretty much all eight stories in a nutshell and like i've said there's a final chapter that involves a super boss battle gauntlet and if you're if you've got the patience and actually get through that gauntlet you will get the true ending and i doped out after one fight even though i was over leveled like crazy and had all the optional jobs uh, I, for- I forgot to mention all of the jobs the well, clerics- do you want to have ryan uh explain the ending to us yeah explain the ending he's to been us, itching ryan. to it okay um well I'm just going to tie in all the, the stories together and how mm-hmm. they're brought um, into one overarching story. Um, it all basically ties into a woman named LeBlanc, who you randomly meet in the game as like a quest giver. She's looking for her quote-unquote perfect man. And so it's built upon this theory that, you know, she's just trying to find the love of her life. And you go on a quest to find the love of her life, and you find this random dude... And she's like, yeah, no, that's not him. I need to find, you know, the the right one. Um, ends up being um, a boy named Kit, who then kind of leads into like the final dungeon between um, them. But it's it's her that hires um, the Obsidians to kill Primrose's father. Um, it's her that hires Werner, who then um, influences Ulbricht's best friend to murder the king of um was it hornbrook um sounds good enough yeah that that kingdom uh hornberg i think it was yeah um it's her that uh kind of starts enticing graham who was the apothecary that saved alfin um his wife had died to that sickness so he had traveled the world this graham crossford individual to find the cure um he finds it he goes back to his wife his wife is dead so his like life journey to to find this cure for this deadly disease is kind of ruined so she jumps in and uh she's like you know do you want to see your you know beloved again and um he and she entices him he uh goes with her and um turns into the the red eye monster um so Graham's story is it, it ties in Alfin because he's the person that healed Alfin. He goes on a journey to find this poison, uh, this cure for the poison, and he uh, creates a, a notebook of his adventures, which Tressa then finds, and that sets her on her quest to to be the greatest merchant of all time and have adventures. And then eventually, um, the influence of LeBlanc turns Graham into Red Eye who then petrifies Hanit's master and then sets her off on her journey. Um, so he's pretty important. And uh, his son, uh, Kit, is ends up being one of the, the, the side characters that you meet throughout the game. Like, I think he's one of the starting um, side quests you meet, and he gives you, like, a random healing grape. But uh, you, you meet him throughout, you know, all the different characters, and he uh, ends up being the host for Galdera, which is the 13th god, which I guess got kicked out of the, the god circle. And LeBlanc ends up being his, <laughs> Galdera's daughter. And Galdera's been uh, entombed in this Gate of Finis area by these dragon stones. So that's what ties Therian into the story. And uh, LeBlanc also uh, hires Lucia to do something with Cyrus and the book. And I can't exactly remember the exacts of that scenario, but um, that's what ties Cyrus into the whole mix. And he, she also um, finds Matthias, 
uh, after like I think a whole village is slaughtered. So like when he's at his weakest moment and entices him to to create the dark flame, which is the antithesis to the um, holy light or holy flame that Ophelia has been on a pilgrimage for. So I believe that's all eight characters that are all intertwined and and it ends up being this big plot to revive Galdera that the eight of them band together and eventually beat. Unless you couldn't get past the boss rush, because um, learning all these stories, there's eight bosses you've got to fight, and then you fight uh, Galdera, who's got two forms. You've got to beat the first form. Then you got to use your um, f- other four remaining characters to beat the second form, and your reward for doing this is a Moogle charm. <laughs> yeah, that sounds <laughs> that sounds so charm. convoluted. I mean, all you have to do is throw in a, a false C and a Lissi in there, and it sounds like a final, fa- like a modern Final Fantasy game. <laughs> I rolled credits I eight times, <laughs> and I didn't know about I don't know about any of you. I rolled eight credits. I was fine. So, so the Moogle charm. You mean the same Moogle charm that uh, disables random encounters? Yes. No more random encounters. But then at, at the end of the game, there's no other content. <laughs> So you can finish side quests, basically, without any random encounters. Okay, that that makes sense. Or you could just turn the game off and never have a single other encounter in Octopath. Yeah, I, yeah, I never I, got I that made, far. I made my own Moogle term, everybody. Yep, so did I. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like I hate the game, you guys. I love the game. Oh my oh, god, I the music the is too. so good. Mm-hmm. The music is so good, but it's just like... And that's one of the questions I wanted to ask everybody. It's like, when we talk about this game's legacy, it's like, um, I feel like... It's like... I feel like people look at this game as if it's like a seven out of 10 type deal, you know, like um, now a couple years out of it. Like, I feel like people are like, okay, it was an okay game. I feel like the game kind of got trashed up on release because people built it up again to be like this, um, uh, you know, nostalgia glasses, modern Final Fantasy that, you know, I think people were kind of dismayed with the story. So. I'm curious for people's perspective as to what you think the legacy of this game will end up being. Well, we, we will get to that in the roundtable, but one question I want to ask, because we've hit, that, we've hit about the hour mark and we need to go to break, but one more question I want to ask. Did any of you get the optional jobs? That's what I was going to ask. The right. first I chance I did, or one. first chance I could, I did. I got the one, isn't there one that does like a double cast? Yeah, I I had to get that one for Cyrus since he was yeah. one of my main damage dealers. Mm-hmm. I think I did that one kind of close to the end, and I, I never did the whole boss rush. So, because um, there was that I never one, there went was through all of them. There was an advanced healing one. There was an advanced fighting one that let you equip all of the weapons. Yeah, the um, war master. And then the last one, I don't even remember what it was, but I found it to be pretty useless. There was the rune lord, the sorcerer, the star seer, and the war master. Yeah, I think it was the Rune Master that I never equipped on somebody else, just because I I couldn't really find any way to utilize it. But the, star, the Star Seer I put on Ophelia. Make her a super healer. Yeah. yeah. If you give um, Tressa the Rune Lord, she can um, then sidestep, and that makes you dodge an attack, and then mm-hmm. you can boost it so that you know you can dodge multiple attacks. But with the Rune Lord, it turns that ability into a um, a hit all ability, so everyone in the party can now sidestep. So oh. it's pretty ridiculous. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think there was one of the boss fights that I pretty much had to use that as a strategy. Um, I, th- I think it was one of the was I it the Starseer say- that you just keep reflecting stuff back at him? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it basically made made that fight into a joke. 
it took a while, but yes, it, it wasn't difficult. It was more just Genius. takes a while. You but know, good for him to beat himself. But boy, I love it when you can cheese a boss fight like that through just very easy a very easy setup. Yeah. I, I remember it was the first of the, the bonus job classes that was really hard for me to to beat. But once I got that initial job class, um completing the other three was was pretty easy. Oh yeah. That that's how I felt too. Um, and, and turning Cyrus into super mage and Ophelia into super healer just made the rest of the game so satisfying. And then I think I think it's Warmaster or it's one of the job classes. They give you the ability to to break the damage cap, and then things get really ridiculous. Ooh. Yeah, I think Warmaster also has an ability that lets you break weapons to do like maximum damage. Oh, also, I don't know crazy. if you guys. Yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this, but this is one of the rare RPGs where you can actually successfully poison bosses. Mm-hmm. And it actually is really useful. It does a, takes a lot of damage off of them because it doesn't deal with, you know, breaking their um, weaknesses and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I've been using that t- uh, uh, tactic recently and in regular fights, but also in some of the uh, smaller boss fights earlier in the game. Uh, you can almost always poison any of them. Any no. RPG that makes status effects useful against bosses, I appreciate. Same. Yes. Because yes. mo- most of them, you know, the status effects are just useless. Yeah, yeah. because, I mean, if you can't use them against the boss and trash mobs are just trash mobs that should be cleared without having to do advanced tactics, then why the heck do you have all that? Yep. It's, it's why I love Shimigami Tensei, because it's always been like that. But that being said, do we have anything else we want to add before we take a quick break and jump into the roundtable? All right, let's do it then. Okay, well, we are going to take a brief break and then we will come back and we will jump into the roundtable where we get into even more of our personal feelings about Octopath and our thoughts and favorite moments and all of that fun stuff. So stick around. We will be right back. RPG Backtrack, where we are now doing the Octopath Traveler Roundtable, um, getting into our personal feelings about the game, our favorite moments, and in this case, our least favorite moments, because uh, Matt did the questions for this, and thank you for that, by the way, and um, yeah, I asked what annoyed us about the game, but we'll get into that in just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, so what, what was you guys' favorite moments? Well, I'll start out, because like I was saying earlier when we were off air, uh, I think we've already spoiled all my moments for this game. But uh, <laughs> I just, I loved killing people. I, I was happy that this was a JRPG that was not all about friendship is magical. Um, you 
you know, not like Cold Steel when we discuss it next week, where you fight somebody and they're like, oh, good job defeating me with your nuclear bombs and 10 foot long swords. Um, but you know what? I was just toying with you. Um, see you later. I- I'm, I'm going to go. Maybe you'll defeat me another time. No, I loved like uh, when was it Primrose met up with her boss pimp and he killed her friend. Now, that obviously was not a good thing. But then like she like yanks his ass like totally slits his throat and that that was satisfying to get revenge for these characters this is a medieval world where you know bad shit's going on and these people were going after it i i I enjoyed that that was part of this like friendship wasn't magical i agree i think that it was like the world is so um there's like a grimness to the world that like kind of permeates the story and i think i wrote in the responses that like even in the soundtrack there's like a tinge of sadness um in the music and so when these characters perpetually have their backs against the wall and like something terrible is happening to someone, if not them, someone around them. So when they do um, uh, get a win in, and for example, when Primrose is able to get that revenge, it it felt so, it felt so um, sweet. Yeah, I really, that was probably my, my favorite moment in the entire game yeah yeah since i didn't even finish the game like that that's the moment that still sticks with me just like matt that the end of chapter one with primrose just like still remember that you know a lot of it though is like the voice acting like primrose ulbrich cyrus they had like really good voice actors and so their stories still stick with me and i found i found them to be way more compelling yeah i mentioned it earlier but uh my favorite part was all the stories tying together near the end um you know you get eight individual stories you get eight individual like happy endings but you know the story is not complete and there's one final you know side quest that ends up being you know taking you to the gates of Finis, where you've got to um you know defeat the fallen god and basically save the world so uh, it starts off you know with just everyone having their own tales and they 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 set off to uh, you know accomplish their goals which are you know grand for for them and their lives but it's not earth shattering or world saving um individually but then when they all come together then you know they you know mount the offensive and and beat the dark god I enjoyed that. And, and, you know, going back to something that I mentioned before, Josh, you had posted your, uh, um, you know, is it gameplay or is it story? And in there, you said something about you like the Atelier series because it's not always about saving the world. It's Mm -hmm. very character driven stories. And, you know, what Ryan described, that was awesome. And I didn't get all of that at the end. Um, it sounds great and everything, but I like those little stories about each person even better. I liked that I, I didn't feel the whole time that I was saving the world. I felt like I was dealing with what this one person needed to deal with. Yes. I, and it's I, great that I, the I ending's there for that, too. But, you know, yeah, I, I mean, satisfying endings, I thought. And, you know, the, 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 even though it'll probably always bother me that I never got the quote-unquote true ending, I appreciate that they at least wrap up everybody's story so that oh, if yeah. you don't go for that true ending, then you can at least still feel somewhat accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, as much as I bitched about there being no connective tissue, I honestly wonder how much of that was on purpose. Right. You know, you, you bring up a good point. Every... Well, mostly every RPG has, um, you know, characters that that band together to, you know, vanquish a great evil. These are, you know, unique stories that are, you know, character uh, specific. They they set out to do their thing. So, you know, when Ulbrich's, you know, trying to find his old friend, it's just the story of Ulbrich. There's really no one else. 
that um, gets takes center stage. You, you get those little side stories um, with a couple of the other characters, but that's minuscule in the the grand scheme of each you know character's end goal. I, I would think it was intentional. Uh, I mean, just the name itself kind of clues you in. There, there's eight different characters with eight different stories. Octopath. I think they had to do it intentionally, and maybe the thinking was that the reveal at the end where they tie together was going to be a bigger surprise. But I don't know. I, I don't know if it would have been better if there were there was more foreshadowing. I don't know. Yeah, it just and, seems weird. It just seems weird to me that you're going to have this emphasis on it being eight separate stories that don't involve. Um, you know, high school anime kids killing <laughs> God, and then have it be like, surprise, did you beat the game and you want a little something more? Okay, well, now we're going to take a bunch of these like random little crumbs that we dropped throughout these eight stories, and we're going to spin them into a yarn about, oh, you got it, killing a God or a God <laughs> wanting to kill somebody. This it's is like, what JRPG fans wanted to kill a yeah. God. That's why yeah, I so, play RPGs. So I want to murder God. That's the I was going to say, yeah. yeah. It, it was designed to be anti what you expect, because what do you do in like 9 out of 10 JRPGs? Band together and go kill God, you know? And for 80 hours, that's not what you were doing. If that's the, the case, people that wanted to. If it, was subterfuge, <laughs> if it was subterfuge, then I'll give it to him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was as much subterfuge as like an, like, like I think uh, what you said there, Jason, was I, I think it's intentional. I think. They were like, hey, let's defy expectations. And honestly, that's what pissed people off. You know, the interconnectivity not being there. I think the non-interconnectivity for 80 hours was intentional. Like, let's do something different. Well, yeah, um, we'll see. I, I don't want to, like, spoil the end here with our final question later on. But there, there's a prequel. And I'm wondering how disparate or how connected is that going to be? Oh, mm-hmm. dude, that mobile game, I can't imagine that it's gonna that it's going to amount to very much i think it'll be a bunch of like just tiny dangly plot threads because in a couple years they're going to shut down service for it (laughs) and i'm sorry i'm working on an editorial right now and it's about it's about that and it's like you know it's it's a shame it's a shame that you like you have these games that you like you start playing even if it's like these you know these um if there's like no real story anyway um and you're like just you know slot rolling for um characters um it's just it's just kind of terrible that you like get invested in something and then all of a sudden like oh you know Uh, and we're seeing like really crazy turnaround where it's like a game comes out and then three four months later they're like end of service um you know like i think the first game that i played on my phone i think it was like terra battle Um, oh god so I really liked hours. that. I liked that game, you know, and like I, I was, I was, and this is where the idea for the editorial came. I was um, cleaning my driveway, and when it was snowed a couple weeks ago, and it, like I had shuffle on my iPad or my iPod, and um, the soundtrack from Terra Battle came out, and I was like, man, this is this music so good. I wish I could play this game, and it's like I can't, which is so silly. It's so silly that they did not like release it in some sort of capacity for me to be able to play somewhere, you know. Yeah. <sighs> That makes me sad. One one of my favorite mobile games, um, Pac-Man Monsters, which was, yeah, a a hybrid puzzle game, RPG, gotcha sort of thing where you, yeah, raised monsters and did Pac-Man puzzles to go through dungeons. I put an ungodly amount of hours into that game just because it was just a fun little time waster and it's forever gone. And I think it had like uh, DRM, to it so it can't be played again 
And so many good games are getting lost these days because of that mobile stuff, and it sucks. Yeah, and whoever just made that comment about like needing to buy more points, uh, you know, hunting for monsters. Yeah, so my New Year's resolution in 2020 or 2019 was that I would not be playing any more of the gotcha, um, like, free-to-play mobile games. It was like the last ones I had played were like, um, I think, Landgrisser, and then like there was one other one. And I was like, nope. I don't care, even if it's my favorite series of all time. And like, if there are gems for me to buy and like characters to roll, I'm like, I'm not doing it. So, um, yeah, that's why no, it's like no even, gotcha. yep, even Octopath. It's like if there, if I can buy crystals for for a draw, and I have to worry about like the service ending, I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna do it. I don't blame you. Oh, now, now you're just reminding me of the 3DS store shutting down, and now I'm sad. So I, I'm going to bring it back up by saying that my favorite moment was everything involving Tessa, just because her story <laughs> was so happy. Her story was happy, yeah. Happy and hopeful. With Leon, the pirate. <laughs> no, he's he's a merchant now. He's good. Good, because uh, he had a bad pirate name. <laughs> what was his pirate name? Or is it Leon? Leon. Leon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Leon. Leon the Lion ordered. Uh, Doesn't strike fear. No. So, uh, so my memorable moment or favorite moment uh, was with Cyrus. Uh, he's my favorite character in the game. And in chapter two, uh, in Quarry Quest, he goes to mm. the sewers, and you fight your way through there. And and so back back when I was playing, uh, before I paused playing, uh, my kids, I'd play in the living room, and my kids would watch. And they, they like to watch uh, with the voiceovers and whatnot how the story unfolds. They get involved in the story like watching TV, you know. So I'd have them watching, and I'm going through there I in the sewers, and then it starts talking about human sacrifice and <laughs> taking their blood to infuse it into the crystal, the guy, the bad guy, like Gideon. Uh, and I'm like, wow, this got real heavy and dark real quick. So I, th- I thought, you know, I'm going to have to play this handheld or somewhere else so my kids don't watch it. <laughs> uh, it is not a Super Mario RPG. It is grim, to your point earlier. It's, it's gritty, uh, but I think that makes it realistic because it makes each character is uh, humanized, for lack of a better term. You know, they're, they have their strengths and weaknesses like, like we do in real life, and uh, I guess that helps me connect with them. But this, that chapter two, that one still sticks out in my mind because the human sacrifices. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you bring up a valid point, Jason, that the game is grim and gritty, but it doesn't feel like edgelord grim and gritty. You know what I mean? Where, you know, where like, you can kind of tell the game is trying too hard to be dark. Right. Like, it's not outlandish. It's it's more realistic. Who knew when hunting for a book from hell, it'd be you'd be ending up in a morbid situation. <laughs> The far reaches thereof. That's right. The far reaches. So it had to get really dark. So good point. Um, good point. So that that being said, uh, who's your favorite character? I think for all of us, is it the the character we started with? Because yeah. I'm looking at the list. I, I started so. with Therion, and he was my favorite. I started with Therion. He was my favorite. I started with Hanit, and she was my favorite. Yep, I started with Tressa. She was my favorite. Cy- Cyrus for me, my favorite. <laughs> There you go. I, I wonder if that's like so, a personality test. So Nostalgia is a motherfucker. Conversely, is the last character you chose your least favorite? Uh, mine is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mine was Ophelia. Wasn't a fan of her story. See, it's for me, it's the opposite because I picked 
Tressa last, but then she kind of ended up growing on me. But I think second to last was um, God. I can never remember his freaking name. The the warrior. Olbrick. 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 Um. Yeah, he ended up being my least favorite just because I thought he had the dullest story. I found Ophelia to be rather I, I did dull. I like his personality. I liked his personality. It's, it's the voice acting. That's that. It's like um. Yeah. It was so commanding, and like you, I've heard that voice actor in so much stuff. It's like so recognizable. And I think uh, like Primrose is like Colleen Clinkenbeard. I think is her name. And like you know, it's like a, one of those voices that you just know everywhere you go. Um. I was saying that um. Uh, Ophelia is my least, one of my probably my second least favorite character, and uh, I just started recalling her Miss Bravely Default during the game. She just seemed to me like she was, you know, she should have. She seemed like one of the characters from there, or like uh, maybe the next iteration of that game. She'll be, she'll find her way transported in that world. Oh, Olbrick is Patrick Seats. I thought I recognized that voice. What is um? What else has he been in? Um. Have you watched any One Piece? Because he's Frankie. Uh, I haven't. I'm going to look him up right now. Um, let's see. He's also Garage Hellscream. And he's been World a crap Warcraft. ton of anime. Yeah. It has to be some anime I've seen. So, uh, Oberic, you know, he wasn't my favorite. And he happened to be the last character that I chose. Uh, but he's not my least favorite. I like his personality. The character he reminds me of the most is Hendrik from Dragon Quest XI because he's a warrior, he's confident, uh, and, he, I, and it just comes off really strong. He's got a real strong character to me. Got that connection to Cobblestone, too. <laughs> just cranking up the name of the cities there. You can always find your way back to Dragon Quest. I always can. <laughs> if you'd like to hear more Dragon Quest, tune into Slime Time, wherever podcasts are found. <laughs> Not officially sponsored by RB Gamer. By the way, we need more sponsors. <laughs> we need any sponsors. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted trying to figure out who, uh, where Paul would know Patrick Seats from. And I thought that there'd be like the Trails connection. Um, and Trails of Cold Steel, he was Vulcan? No? He was in Sa- a Sailor Moon? Oh, that's probably, it's, it's got to be Sailor Moon, you guys. Um, I, I've never played a, a, a Trails game. And like, I have. I have um, Legend of Heroes games for the PSP um, that I've never played, that I bought, like, literally back during the Bush administration. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry. (laughs) I've given, I think, two of them about two hours each, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Um, Supposedly those games weren't very well localized. They, they they weren't also well designed for the PSP. I, so I was gonna say the localization didn't even that that didn't I didn't even get into that. Okay, fairy tale Sailor Moon. Oh yeah, he's Coonzite in Sailor Moon. Hell yeah. Um, my hero. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know this guy. His voice is everywhere. His voice is incredible. That's why it's like Oldberg. I love Oldberg. Any character who I like recognize from somewhere else, I'm like, they're really good. But then there's there was. Uh, the wildling. I can't even. I can't even remember her name. The hunter. Yeah. Hunt it. Yeah. She had a last, lasting impression I, on you, huh? I'm sorry, you guys. It sounds like <laughs> people are going to listen to this and be like, "Why is this dumbass even here?" If he hates this game, I love this game, you guys. <laughs> I recommend this game. I have this special edition. I was literally like lovingly like looking at like the 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 
at it, you know, before this mm-hmm. happened. And uh, I was watching the um, honest trailer for for the this game in anticipation of you know this episode, and I'm just sitting there cracking up to it. And my wife was like, "What are you laughing at?" I'm like, "This fucking game, <laughs> you know." It's like I love this game. It was I had I enjoyed it. It was uh, I really enjoyed, yeah. Anyone listening, you should be playing it if you haven't already. It's only been out for four years and is available on literally everything. So um, yeah, what are you waiting for? Play it on Switch, though. You should play it on Switch for sure so you can um, take it portably. Because I think a game like this is definitely easy, like especially when you're grinding out. Yep. Or if you have Game Pass, you can play it for free right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Holy crap, it was on Stadia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rest in peace. My yeah. my uh, my deep dive into uh, this game last night proved that. I was like, oh, geez. I, I am angry that the Stadia lasted longer than the eShop. <laughs> it's not dead yet, Kelly. Yeah. The eShop or Stadia? Stadia. Neither one, but uh Did the Stadia know. last longer than um the Ouya, which I still have in my basement? Oh, the the Ouya was pretty much dead in the water. Yeah. I know. I bought one um like just on a whim at GameStop when it came out. Hey, you, hey, you've got a good homebrew machine. And that's exactly what I used it for, but now I don't even use that. I, I there's <laughs> other better things out now. What do I need this for? Poor All right. <laughs> um, so, you, you're talking about you uh, playing, you, you actually like this game, Paul, despite your trepidations. Did you have a favorite chapter? Um, I think uh, chapter two, I think, because it's like, that's where like the twist of the knife comes in for most of the characters, or like wherever like the, the um, non-final bad guy twist would be announced. Um, so I think, yeah, for Primrose, I think Chapter 2, like the other characters generally. The rest of them, they kind of just blur together. Because I played the game like in spurts where I'd like try to like grind out as many chapters as I could. For me, it was all four of Tressa's chapters. Because her, her chapters did not require a Xanax to <laughs> calm down when they were all over. And I'm I'm kind of glad that I saved her last two chapters for last because it was a nice palate cleanser from all the uh, heartbreak that was the other chapters. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, everyone has like all these cutthroat people that are coming to get them, and then Tressa has someone that like steals her 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 book. She has to go get it back. <laughs> she should have had her, Cyrus. He's pretty good at tracking down books. But her but her book is bringing her so much hope, and it, it inspires her to want to be a better person and want to go on adventures, just just like the guy in the book. And her her interactions with Leon were just so wholesome, and I. Even though I enjoyed the rest of the story, the fact that her story was just kind of a light in the darkness just resonated with me. And I think that I remember her story the best because of it. Tressa is like a little Atelier game in the middle of this other dark game. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Yeah, especially well, then, since he's a merchant. If if Tressa's part of the Atelier games, then Alfin's her um, alchemist because he can just create things with his concoctions. There you go. <laughs> so I, I kind of went the other way. Like you want you like Tressa because she was so lighthearted. I feel like most of the video games that I play are either really lighthearted or I don't engage too much with the story. I'm definitely farther on the gameplay mechanic, and you know, other than just being able to kill some bad people in this game and like feeling satisfaction over that like alfin's chapter three and you mentioned this one before kelly um this is the one where you know there's a bad dude who's dying and um 
one of the other uh, apothecaries is like, listen, just don't heal him. Listen, you don't have to heal everybody. This is that's not your duty. You don't have to do that. And Alvin's like, no, it's my duty to heal everyone in the world. And like you said, you know, oh, you see this coming a mile away. But, you know, he heals the bad guy. Bad guy kills a child. And then, you know, it's up to him to track down Miguel, get the kid back. And he's got to kill Miguel. And this like makes him like question this and like this actually really resonated with me for a lot of the games where i'm like oh that's cool or you know this is fun i'm loving the gameplay mechanics of this was like wow this is like this has made me pause and think about the morality of it all there i'm like you know you know i i think about this with i i guess i don't engage with uh comic book stuff a lot because i'm like you know what superman i know you're all good and everything but if you just like snap lex luther's neck think of all the people in the world you would save come on man just, just end that. Like one dude, save everybody else. Uh, you know? President Luthor. <laughs> you're saying that Alfin's story is a one-man trolley problem. <laughs> yeah, like you know what? You, I, I understand you don't want that trolley to run the one guy over, but there's people on the other track too. So you know, make that choice. D- do one or the other. You know. Come yeah, on, man. but in in Alfin's mind, he thought if he saved this man's life, maybe he would have had he a change of heart, and then yeah. you know had. Uh, you know, a, a different road that he could have walked. But no, he was wrong. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? Like, it, it feels like he needed that. You know, every, every, everybody kind of needs that slap in the face. We can't all be Tressa going through life. You know, happy, happy, joy, joy. So I, I, I did enjoy that chapter because uh, usually I, I don't play deep video games that make me feel stuff a lot. Um, and this one, you know, I, I kind of breezed through a lot of the other stuff, but like this had a couple chapters. It was like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. Like, um, was it Jason? You mentioned the uh, the whole blood ritual sacrifice, yeah. human sacrifice. And yeah. that, that was that probably would have been like one of my top three chapters there. You know, Primrose's first, um, you know, slitting the guy's throat, Miguel here and that one, just because I, I don't usually play games like this. I'm all you know, trails and Dragon Quest. And, you know, no one's really dead. We just, we, we knocked them out and Pokemon and they faint, Pokemon yeah. ever die. Yeah. But, you know, like, this was, like, cool. Yeah, that had to happen. Yeah, it's unambiguous just, closure. Correct. It's, um, it's pretty, it's not important to the, the end of the of Therian's story, but in his chapter four, he finally confronts his ex-thieving um, partner, and he bests him in combat, and he kind of leaves him um, in his little lair. And, uh, you know, homeboy, he left him alive, and you're like, oh, okay, this this guy's going to live, I guess. That's that's that. And then all of his, like, subordinates just gut him and steal all of his stuff after Therion leaves. I was like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I thought it was going in direction of to the pain, like in the Princess Bride. Not you don't fight to the death, you fight to the pain. You get all your limbs cut off except your ears, so that every babe who weeps and shrieks, dear God, what is that thing, will echo in your perfect ears. Do y'all remember that I, from Princess Bride? I do. Anytime we can bring Princess Bride to a podcast, I'm okay with that. Okay. As you unless wish. it's unless it's talk about a remaster. I mean, my mom's good. Um, who else had favorite chapters? I did not, but, uh, you know, we mentioned Cyrus's chapter two as uh, being a memorable one, but I guess Primrose's chapter one would probably be my favorite so far. Uh, I still have a few more to go, but yeah, her, it, talk about Gritty. Uh, yeah, um, Primrose's chapter one, it's it's a nice set piece. 
you get the the flashback of when you know she sees her father getting murdered. She sees the the little tattoo on one of the man's arms. Um, that's pretty much all she has to go off of. And then her just quest of vengeance begins there. And you know she knows that there's three men. She's, she's out to kill those guys. She sees one in chapter one, and then you know it leads her to um, you know avenging her dad basically. But yeah, um, I, it, I left the, off. the first chapter is great. Yeah, and and then starting chapter two, you go from you know the desert town all the way up to this uh, this snowy town, and you you find out there's a brothel, and there's uh she's got to like infiltrate this place and find this guy, and I I don't know throttle him in his sleep or something, but. Uh, I left off there as a cliffhanger and jumped over to Ulbrich. So I'm really looking forward to get back to her story in chapter two, which again, I kind of like the ability to not be linear and just kind of go one direction. And then, Oh, I'm really interested what's happening over here. And can then go that direction, jump around, uh, that, and then, uh, you know, the different areas are kind of level gated and you might want to go explore and do another town or area, but, it kind of prevents you, so you you have to kind of. There's not an order, but you kind of have to get like we said at the beginning. You you get each character and kind of juggle them between each chapter, level them up together. So I like it. Josh, I don't think you went, even though you didn't play very much. <laughs> yeah, it feels weird to to do it since I only played like the first half of the game. But like, just for the the footing that it puts you on in the game, like Cyrus's first chapter, you know, the whole thing of the, basically you get to the end of it and it's like okay i'm gonna go out and find a library book it's just like the perfect way to sit, tell you like this this rpg is not going to be the the normal rpg piggybacking off of uh cyrus's first chapter you get introduced to him and he's doing um a lecture um to the princess and then another girl who's obviously got uh feelings for cyrus and yeah. he just just he just doesn't see it it's just no. going right over his head <laughs> Because it's not logical. Of course oh, not. Oh, hot for teacher. Uh, hey, we got round what? two of hot, tea. hot for teacher coming up in two weeks. Yeah, yes. no kidding. <laughs> I, I got uh, that on my answer. So, doing the opposite, it's something that we've kind of did already done a whole lot this whole episode. But what annoyed you about the game? Oh, I'm going to take something straight from my review. And, I mean, I love Dragon Quest because of all the awesome monsters. They're so varied they got cute names and even when they have the different um color variations they got so uh like there's like seven or eight different slimes but they all have different personalities you got the metal slime and um the she slimes and they just do different things and act differently and then you hear like i, I just unimaginative recolors boring renamings like you're getting in battles against cliff burdan one and cliff <laughs> burdan three and they're in the same fight and like one of them's just this claw and a little color variation and they're just in the same fight in the same area and you know one chapter later you're in a fight against cliff burdan five and cliff burdan six and that's just their name it's like my gosh Maybe could this one not live on a cliff? Could he be like <laughs> Gully Burdane or something like that? Like just, you know, do something a little bit more. And it, it just was, it happened all the time. All, and, and just so many reskins. 
Josh, I know you had this down too. Was your yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it also kind of played into my other gripes with it. You know, like this is set up to at least be a reasonably grindy game, and that lack of enemy variety <laughs> really kind of grated on me. Like, I, I don't want to be fighting these same really poorly done reskins. You know, like you said, like you can do this in a game like Dragon Quest. Plenty of games do that where they, you know, like they tweak them though. You know, and, and it mm-hmm. just it, it it really grated on me in this one. I mean, hey, uh, you know, have you seen how beautiful those those backgrounds are? They had to cut corners somewhere. <laughs> but I get you. Uh, yeah, um, I'd say uh, while I enjoy all the individual stories, I, I did. I would have liked to see the characters interact a little bit more. Um, maybe have, you know, some side quests where they go and do some mundane things, but then they, you know, have conversations about their pasts or what their agendas are or, or what they're planning to do once they, you know, beat the MacGuffin that's, you know, blocking their, you know, end goal. But I'm hoping that if, you know, this game did sell well, so I'm hoping that a, a sequel comes out and that hopefully gets addressed. I hope so. Did you say sequel or prequel? <laughs> Yeah, he said sequel. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, on console, not mobile. Um, mine is real short. I I bitched about this already, but yeah, just the fact that the the connecting thread was locked behind a super boss gauntlet. Um, it it just bothered me, and it's <laughs> unless I go and grind a bunch, it's gonna forever bother me that I never completed the game, and I need to keep telling myself that I'm okay with that. Or okay with not completing the game because I didn't want to have to deal with it. You completed the game eight times. You completed that yeah. game eight times. Yeah. It's not Kelly, not this, Kelly, this is what they make YouTube for. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and <laughs> when I discovered that connective tissue because that 10 minute video, I was like, oh, well, that was interesting. And I probably never would have glommed from any of that. So good job, game. But. Yeah, don't yeah. don't put your ending behind a boss that's that tough. If it makes you feel any better, Kelly, for um, my Saga Frontier review that I did in April, I, I was told that I only had to beat the game once with one character. Paul, did you? Uh... What? Are you there? Yep. Yeah. Oh, I said you had said something. You said, uh, d- could you hear me? You were talking about Saga Frontier. Oh, okay. So you did hear me. Yeah. So yeah. I don't even remember my point. That's fine. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, uh, out of curiosity, which character did you beat the game with? Um, I'd, Amelia first, because that's who I played when I first played the game back in the 90s. Oh, okay. The, technically, that's the game, that, the character that you're supposed to start with anyway in that game. So Really? Do, oh. they, do they point you in that direction at all? It's strongly implied, um, since she kind of has the, the easiest story. She has a very quick story, yes. Yeah. Um, cause yeah, I've, I've tried to finish that game with Ricky and that was a pain in the ass. Cause, <laughs> oh God, sorry. This isn't a soccer frontier po- podcast. I, I di- digress and we lost, I don't know if we lost our Matt. He has disappeared. You hear me now? Yeah, there you are. Yeah, I did. I did cut out for a while. I thought you all were cutting out and I'm like, oh, yeah. But yeah, then I no, realized you were somehow between your cutting out, having a conversation. And yeah. then I realized it's not you, it's me. No, no worries. But um It's always good to 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 realize that, Matt. Yes, yeah, I know. So real quick, mine's short as well. I I didn't have anything that annoyed me. Uh not yet anyway. I'm like I said, I'm forty one hours <laughs> in. But exploration is one of my favorite things to do in in a game, especially role playing. And so there are times in this game 
in Ostera, I want to explore this new area, but it's still gated with, you know, high level monsters. Uh, and somebody put in the Google sheet here that I just need to get good. <laughs> Who did that? Oh, that was me. When I was reading that, when I was reading that, I was like, wait a minute, does, does the game literally not let you into those areas when you're too a level, oh, or is no. it just gated as in? You, you can go in and you can get your butt kicked, basically. Okay. Uh, depending yeah. on what your level is. So, you know, if I really want to go explore in a certain area, I'd have to go grind, level up and stuff, or yeah. find another chapter to start or whatever. Uh, but I, that that's a real low gripe. It re, there, I don't really have any real gripes with this game. Uh, again, not yet. I remember once they gave me all eight characters, I set forth to uh, unlock the rest of the world because then you could quick travel to all the different towns. Uh-huh. And uh, yes. I would kind of see how far I could get before I would die. And uh, <laughs> you know, I would just I would just save a lot. And oh, yeah. um, I was able to make it to all the towns and, you know, like Matt had said, once you're able to get to those of the towns, some of the end game towns have some of the best items to steal and it, mm-hmm. it helps. Yeah. You want to break yeah, it open, I it's don't, there for the breaking. I would say at, at worst, it's a moderate uh, difficulty level. It, it's not hard. Yeah, you just got to You got to find your way to do it. Yeah, it's got to get good. <laughs> you got to get good. Get, get good. <laughs> oh, um, did everybody say their grievances? We've aired them all. Okay, I, I'm happy sure Festivus, everyone. I, I'm sure there's a couple more, and and yeah, I think with a little polish, this game could have been amazing. And like everybody said, it isn't a bad game. It just some things are going to get on your nerves. No game is perfect. It, it will work better for some people than others. Oh yeah. yeah. Yep. Um. The well, one thing that I think is universally agreed on is the music. Ever. Everybody has said that the music in this game is amazing. So, who had even me? Songs? I yeah. even said something. I'm usually silent on here, just like the yeah, games I that us- I play. I usually am too. But uh, no, I, I played a lot of this with the music on, and uh, yeah, all the battle themes were just awesome. And I went back and I found a YouTube video today of like all the different battle themes back to back to back, and that was just like playing for 40 minutes or whatever in the background while I was doing stuff in my classroom today. And they they were just dramatic, and you know. There was tension, and I think I said that earlier, that, you know, even though I went out and power leveled for a while, in a lot of boss battles, I felt the tension. And just like Scar said earlier, you know, I went and tried to explore the entire world the second all the chapter ones were done. So I had plenty of tension getting into battles and, like, crossing my fingers that I could run away before um, everybody else would kill me because I was level 15 in a level 45 area, so... Um, but no, just all the, all the battle themes were awesome. One, one thing that I, um, just realized after doing some research for this game was all the boss music, um, it like crescendos into like a secondary song. So you, your, your character is, um, talking to the end of the chapter boss and the music starts and it doesn't actually go to the next phase until you actually get into the fight. So you can actually hear, you know, the music transition as you go into the fight. And, um, it's really impressive the way they do that. Cause it's just on a loop as you're talking and then you move into the fight and then you hear the, the music actually transition into the, the, the boss theme. And uh, it's re- oh man, it's so pretty. This this is one of my favorite soundtracks of you know any recent RPG. And um, when whenever the main theme was introduced, I fell in love with it. It's it's got such like a a feel of exploration. 
um, and like hope and all sorts of positive vibes. And it, it really um, brightens my mood when I hear it. And uh, just re-listening it today, just it was made me happy. Yeah, awesome. uh, and such a variety of different musical themes. Like just when I was listening to the soundtrack today, each character has a very unique and distinct theme, and all of the towns have very unique themes. So there's, there's new. I feel like there's new two songs in this soundtrack that sound alike. Uh, that that being said, uh, I picked um, Sunshade, the City of Pleasures, just because it's so. It's so bluesy, and since that you know that's kind of a Vegas type town, it yeah, it, it sounds like a town of sin, but you'd almost have to hear it. I put it in the you'll probably hear it in the break, uh, in one of the breaks, but it was, it was a beautiful song. And but that being said, I love pretty much the entire soundtrack. Oh, totally, like all of it is so good, so much great variety. It's like one of those things, like, like you stick a gun to my head, I guess I'll go with Primrose's theme as my favorite. It just it just kind of has a feel that somehow kind of fits her personality, but the music in the game is just amazing. You know, yeah, I, same same. I, I don't have a favorite. Uh, they're all enchanting. They're they are all exceptional songs, uh, high quality. Uh, listening to the soundtrack by itself is 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 nice. I've got it on Apple Music, but the they they really fit in the game. They're not just filler tracks either. But when you're in a battle or you're in a certain area, the songs really fit. And I don't know how they put it together, uh, how they designed the, the sound layout for this thing. But they did a great job, no doubt. Indeed. And then, and then I think this is, yeah, this is the last question. So um, there is a mobile game coming out that is a prequel. Is anybody going to play it? By the rule. Not me. No. But give me that triangle strategy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Right after oh. Elden Ring, Triangle Strategy. Call me when the console port comes out. Oh, for the mobile it's, game? Yes. For oh, the prequel. It's it's H D two D, so I'm gonna at least give it a five hour rule. Right. I, I will admit I am curious about Triangle Strategy because Josh sold me on the game on RPG cast and I I still have the demo sitting on my my uh, SD card. I'm still playing Pokemon Arceus, trying to complete the Pokedex. So, um, I de- I need to play that Same. demo before the game comes out. I think I'd wait until it's closer because now it's killing me that I can't play more of it. Yeah, that's true. I should wait until like the week of, and you know, it, if I hate it, I still will have time to cancel my pre-order. But something tells me I'm not going to hate it. With with a story centric game like that i don't want to play a demo of a game that's not going to be coming out for another month or so oh um because you know that your progress carries over right no i i mean because it's so story centric not not that the the progress carries over if it does carry over, to remember what's going on that happened in you know those previous chapters no gotcha because that's my thing is that i anymore i won't play demos unless progress carries over because i don't want to waste my time Mm -hmm. but yeah um I, I'm really curious what what else they're going to do with this engine. If maybe that tactics remake that was rumored might be in this engine. Um, I don't know. I, I I think it's a great engine to have classic JRPGs in. To be honest, I with you agree one hundred percent. Yes. Yes. More more uh, RPGs that we got we never got originally. Bring them over. Mm-hmm. And, and hey, some of the ones we did get, like Final Fantasy VI or Dragon Quest Three. Um, 
just just stick that shit in my eyeballs. I want all of it. <laughs> Agreed. Well, uh, this was a very excellent cast, and I, I appreciate Kelly, all you Kelly, guys. Kelly, Kelly, we still what? have one more question. You you skipped over the last question that we always do. What are uh, our memories from when we were playing? Oh, crap. I am so sorry. I, I, I completely jumped ahead. Yes, what are your memories? Why? How did I forget that? I think I was... <laughs> <laughs> I thought stylistically, like, oh, you're just saving that one for last. That's why you're like, no, oh, last question I, before we get to this. I am so sorry. I don't know why I forgot that, because it's not like I'm being a space cadet today, except apparently I am. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. Do you guys have any memories of what you were doing when you were playing this game? Mine, mine is really short because um, the first demo in 2017 I was trying to play, and that was when we had a Slack channel instead of Discord. And Phil hopped on the, the Slack channel for Backtrack and was like, "Okay, I'm starting up the show. Who wants to be on?" And I jumped on, and it's like I played a lot of old RPGs, and yeah, Phil and I had a little conversation back and forth, and that I—that's why I'm talking to you guys now. Um, <laughs> I don't really remember much of the demo, other than I was playing as Ulbrick and you know, try trying to have a conversation with Phil via text, and still try to play the demo. But yeah, that's my most prominent side memory of this game was it pretty much made me part of backtrack so An rpg backtrack memory of octopath traveler on the octopath traveler rpg backtrack wow. well yep. played well played kelly yep well yep. played because i i couldn't really remember what i was doing when i was playing the game proper other than i grinded a lot while i was making dinner because it was easy to just you know <laughs> stir s set up the auto battle set down the switch stir repeat and hope i don't drop this switch into the noodles um my memory um was that once the game was uh showcased and um i saw these you know the the 2.5 hd graphics and that it was an rpg and it had sprites i was sold if you know anything about me i am very fond of super nintendo styled rpgs and, what uh, yeah if you uh if you are more interested in that you can uh, catch my streams on the RP Gamer Twitch channel on Tuesdays and Fridays I do a retro Super Nintendo stream. It's fun nice. times. But anyways, um I love me some Super Nintendo RPGs and uh this tickled that fancy um to the umpteenth amount and yeah, I uh, pre-ordered it. I got the deluxe edition um, and uh yeah, I I blew through the game. Um, I grinded probably way too much. I tried out all the different job classes. I, you know, I tried out all the different skills and tried to see which skills went better with certain characters and had a blast doing it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I loved every second of it. Yeah. Like I remember this game coming out right in the middle of July. We were doing JRPG July. That's part of the reason I remember that's, that's exactly when it came out. Cause there were a bunch of staff members all playing it at the same time. And it was editing everyone's thoughts about Octo Octopath Traveler, and then I was trying to play it and kind of bounce back and forth between that and Zvi, and that kind of odd juxtaposition kind of turned into a, a an interesting little uh, editorial I wrote about him. Um, didn't you say that even though a lot of staff played this game, not a lot of them finished it? Yeah, yeah. in 2018, that was the game that was played by the most staff members that year. But it was also only finished by like a third of them. There were a bunch of people that fell off and didn't didn't actually finish the game. Yeah, I, I totally mentioned that in my review too. Like, it was our staff's most played game of 2018, but uh, not, <laughs> not the not, most finished. 
Nope. Yeah, if there was a low percentage, it was that one. Everybody gave it a try, but not everybody stuck with it the whole time. Well, well, like it was in that era where there were, you know, before there were just tons and tons of uh, RPGs on the Switch. Mm-hmm. So and, everybody was just like, yeah, try it. Yes. And the and, ones that some of the ones that we had weren't that great. I am Sitsuda. I'm looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so um, I was a late adopter to the Switch. I did not get my Switch until 2019. Um mainly because I'm way behind. I'd got like the Vita two years before, which was, you know, like two years after the Vita died. Um, still waking my way through Vita games and still on my 3DS. Um, and heck, I think last year when I filled out our form for RP Gamers uh, Game of the Year, I'd played like three or four 2021, or 2021 games. So always a couple of years behind. And so when I did finally get the Switch, I was like, oh, like I'm only a year behind on Octopath Traveler. Let me grab this. Um, and I was, you know, in about my ninth month of being on RP gamer and I'd been just like plowing through reviews. Like I, I was, I was doing what we all said we'll do in our interview. Like, Oh yeah, I can review a game every month. No problem. Um, and I just finished up like just a dozen hours on steam world quest. And I think I might've just got the review for Atelier Lulua at the time. Um, but I was getting like the physical game mailed to me and I was like, well, I got this here and Lulua got put to the side for quite a while um, because I realized that no one had reviewed Octopath Traveler. And I think I'd put it like in the discord and or probably Slack at that point. But and like I said, Josh and I talked about this. We messaged back and forth. And I mean, I just love this game so much. And I like I'm a numbers guy. So I'd like gone back through all our reviews for quite a while. And the last time we gave a game a 5.0 up until that point was December 2017. Alex gave uh, Xenoblade Chronicles a 2.0. And I was really nervous because I had like kind of the skin of my teeth written this great review about SteamWorld Quest, which I loved. I thought it was like awesome. And I got it a 4.5, and then I play Octopath Traveler. I'm like, oh, darn, I want to give this a 4.5 as well. But, you know, looking back, we didn't give anything more than a 4 in a year and a half. Here I was doing, like, back-to-back 4.5. So uh, Anna helped me, like, wordsmith everything, make it sound really good, really emphasize the parts that I thought were just totally awesome. Um, And, yeah, finally got that up over the summer. Finished it uh, right before jrpg july and just I, I remember like just communicating with josh about this and messaging anna back and forth to like make sure that i could get my review like sounding as awesome as i thought it was like making sure my words matched my feelings and just really loved it that's awesome yeah so so yeah and it's a great review i enjoyed it and i i agree with everything you said in there i believe uh i'm i'm in the same boat because i was a late adopter to the switch I got it uh, for Christmas uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. So I started, I played Pokemon Sword. That was the first one I played on there. And then uh, got Octopath right after that. And I did get very far into it. It was early 20. It was right when COVID started hitting the U.S., about February, March. And at the same time, my, my job started tanking. So, uh, you know, we had layoffs and such, and it wasn't good. Uh, and then that's when Animal Crossing New Horizons came out. So I had to play that. And when it came out, I put down Octopath. I'm like, I'm just going to play Animal Crossing, uh, you know, most of the day. Maybe I'll play a, <laughs> chap- Maybe I'll play a chapter or two of Octopath uh, in the evening before bedtime, you know, get, get the switch in bed. But I didn't. I played Animal Crossing nonstop for like 
I don't know, a month and a half, two months solid and forgot what I was even doing in Octopath. Uh, and then uh, one thing led to another and I start playing some other games. I finally pick it back up and then I put it right back down because I had to play Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch. <laughs> and it's Studio Ghibli and it's beautiful. And uh, so I had to play that. So I put Octopath down again. Um and I just recently picked it back up uh, as I, I've been trying to blaze through uh, Bravely Default 2 because I, I took a break from that over the Christmas holidays. And oh, I'm going to say I'm 50 something hours in Bravely. So I put that on pause, picked up Octopath. You know, I'm cramming for this uh, podcast. So I'm like, I got to get some more hours in this game. And I, I, I quickly got back into it. And I'm like, why did I put this down? It is so good. I'm enjoying it so much. So I may pause it again so I can do the demo for Triangle Strategy and then see what happens in March. So Sorry about all the spoilers. Oh, I, I just muted my speakers every time you mentioned them. So I missed oh. them all. <laughs> no, I'm just that, kidding. That's, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I probably should have told you up front that we were going to spoil. But, you know, oh, for me warned, anyway. He warned me. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, for, yeah. for me anyway, it's like, you know, spoilers without context. I have no idea what's going on when you if you don't say so not that big of a deal oh yeah but and, and yeah I, of context <laughs> and, and yeah i i definitely feel you about the whole well i want to pick this game back up but here's another shiny thing and yeah. it's a hole that i dig myself in all the time yeah well i'm glad i picked it back up uh and like i said i'm like why did i put it down it's so good so yeah cool was that everybody i, oh, I don't think paul went no i'm here um I remember when the game came out, I was living in between houses and we had sold our house and we were waiting for some like renovations on our new house to be done. So I was living at my sister's house with my wife and our like, I think nine, 10 month old daughter at the time. And this game came out and I was just like super sheepish about wanting to take my giant box of this game downstairs and like play it on this. Um, they had a, like a projector. So I'm playing on like the 70 inch projector with like a dull bulb. So, man, when I got to find a couple weeks into it, when I got it, was able to slide into my own house and just play it on, like, my TV, my brightly lit TV. Oh, it just, it looked so good, blaring <laughs> the music. Um, and I just, I really liked it. I felt like it was, like, the first, like, must-have, like, um, JRPG for the Switch that, like, didn't feel like that wasn't a port. I'm sure there's maybe a couple other titles in between then, but... Yeah, I just really, I finally remembered it. The music is probably something that I um, still listen to to this day. When it comes up, I, I just like a smile comes on my face. So Cool. And I think that was everybody. I think we're good. I think so. Okay, now, now I can wrap up the show. So, sorry for jumping the gun earlier. Well, um, it, it sure sounds like even though, you know, trepidations aside, we all really enjoyed this game, except for Josh, but that's okay. I mean... I don't blame you for getting frustrated with it because it, yeah, it, it's grindy and it says some of the story or some of the connective tissues kind of a hot mess, but you're either going to love it or don't. And that's fine. And, and, and like I said, even though I didn't like it, I'd still recommend people try it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the bizarre thing. I, I, I don't think there's still a demo on the eShop, is there? don't think so i'd have to check um but i mean if, if you're if you're playing game pass uh you can try it for free if you if you're subscribed to that um i think it does go on sale on occasion on steam um i don't know oh. i mean it's squeenix i don't know if there's going to be a price drop or not it's still hovering around 60 bucks everywhere so 
Switch has about a sale down to thirty dollars about once a year. I was checking on Deku deals earlier, and oh, digitally okay. it goes down about once a year to thirty dollars. And it hasn't in about thirteen months, so keep your eye open. It might be soon. Yeah, um, Wario sixty four on Twitter usually is really good about posting Squeenix deals and. Um, I mean, I'd say if you're a fan of classic JRPGs, this, this is the game for you. Just know that just like the, the, our JRPGs of lore, that you're going to be doing a ton of grinding. Um, but it, it's still a fun game all around. And I'm, like I said, I'm hoping that that, uh, that HD 3D engine is going to um, do wonders. Hey, it hasn't gone away yet. We keep getting more and more. So. Hey bring it on um because mm-hmm. it, it's a beautiful way to make stuff look retro without you know compromising quality so yeah, yeah i don't even think we got like too much into the weeds on the graphics because I, I mean i remember like the trees blowing and the water effects were just stunning for like pixel graphics it was just the lighting effects yeah uh, like in caves and in battles were just really cool oh yeah i i love the water effects and and we didn't even get into like going through some of the dungeons and just just how neat all of that stuff looked. Um, yeah, and we we oh, also yeah. didn't mention um, how all the bosses looked, how pretty badass oh, they looked. Oh, they were huge yeah. too, like big. Yeah, big. Yep, <clears throat> very big. Okay, so yeah, yeah, you you had to bring it up, didn't you? Didn't you? <laughs> so the the dungeons, uh, the overworld as well, but the dungeons, uh, I, I don't know what they call it. I'm going to call it parallax scrolling or something yeah. to that effect. Uh, you, you've got the tilt shift effect where you've got the front four and backgrounds are blurry, which mm-hmm. adds to a sense of depth. You've got uh, what would normally be a top down uh, sprite filled pixel pixel art level, but you've got more depth to it. And then a lot of the uh, pathways are partially blocked and you have to just have a sharp eye and look. You always have a couple main paths. But you got to look in the nooks and crannies here and there for a little ramp or a little. You'll see something. That usually there's a there's a little bit of something sticking out that you can see, and if you follow it, you'll go behind an object, a wall, or something, and you'll come out some other side, and there'll be a tre- treasure chest somewhere. They do it all the time, and I'm constantly looking for these little these little hidden pathways, and it's fun. Yeah, I I mean I went through pretty much every floor in the game, uh, or every dungeon in the game, just hugging the wall trying to find hidden pathways. Mm. And I love it when games have stuff like that. I, I love it yeah. when games encourage you to explore. Yeah, they they did it. You know, they planned it. it wasn't an afterthought. Like, hey, let's mm. stick that over there on the side. They they had to really design these things with that in mind, and they the, the execution's great. Yep. Oh, I, I wanted to mention another thing um, that was fun is that some characters had like a, just like a, a passive ability that would would work um, kind of like a, w- w- Tressa. She would just oh, w- randomly yeah. pick up money for you. Oh, yeah. Which is always nice. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciated that. And so, so much good things about this game. Yeah. A lot of polish. And and yeah, I I would also love to, if they did a sequel that maybe streamlined some of the frustrations. I would love to see it. I I wonder what came first. Was it um, the name Octopath or was it the character names? Hmm, that's interesting. I I don't know. 
um, maybe one of the one of these days we'll get a dev interview that says so. Do you need and any how does you... this translate into Japanese? Hmm. Good question. Uh, like without you know the lettering that we have, or you know, that's that something I'll have, that's something I'll have to ask my husband because he um, he's more familiar with that kind of because he he speaks Japanese, so he's more familiar with that kind of stuff than I am. So so you know you had mentioned a sequel. Um, we we got a demo and they asked for feedback, and then we got Triangle Strategy. We got a demo and then they asked for feedback. I wonder if they do a sequel for this game. If they would once again ask um, for the fans' feedback, or if they would be like, "All right, I think we know what we need to fix," and then just kind of do their own thing. And and I appreciate that. Bravely have been do- had doing that with their demos. Feedback. Yeah, bravely did. Right. Well, does um, anybody know if the prequel Champions of the Continent in Japan had a uh, demo with feedback? I, I'm not sure because most, I mean, most mobile games don't really do that, but. Yeah, I I don't know. I hadn't been really keeping keeping track of that game, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, well, I think we're ready to put a lid on this show. Um, I I appreciate you guys showing up. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Jason, for hopping on since this is your first time, and thank you, Josh, for braving a headache to talk about your headache with this game. <laughs> Sure thing, no problem. Um, Thanks for having me. And of course, always thank you to my co-host Matt, um, who unfortunately his mic cut out like right as we was uh, talking. So I don't know if he he could respond or not. But um, that being said, thank you guys for listening. Um, In two weeks, we're going to have part two of Trails of Cold Steel. So that's going to all any Kaseki show is always going to be a blast. Um, talking about our waifus and the, the 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 anime soap opera that is Kaseki. So look forward to that. And there will be should... headpats galore. Head, head Dream the Kisuke dream. Headpats galore. Um, th- thanks everybody for listening and for showing up. I appreciate it. And have an excellent week. We shall talk to you later. All right. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you.